It's Bernie and Sid in the morning on the world famous. Talk Radio 77, WABC. 17 years by her side, broke the same bread, wore the same clothes, and we said, We're sisters with nothing between. If one of us falls, will soon be following Run for your life The Fray 607 on your hump day Wednesday morning here in New York City Run for your life You know I had a a couple of uh, ways I could have started today's show Bernard I could have gone with Ebony and Ivory I went for Run for your life because the, uh, the dog walker, of course, the lady walking the dog in the ramble in Central Park, felt like she was uh, in danger. Maybe she had to run for her life, and she said a couple of things that I'm sure she'd like to take back now, but now they fired her and took the doggy away, and, and now it's, uh, it's a little too late. I mean, God, there, there are people out there that commit some of the most heinous crimes you'll ever see, and uh, very little is said, if anything, and this lady who clearly, clearly overstepped her boundaries... No one's going to defend what she said. But my God, you know, I'm going to say this. Did they fire her? I yeah, knew, they I, fired her. I knew they suspended her. No, they fired her. She out. She, she out. And they took the dog, too. Little doggy. Yeah, well, little, she gave it back little to little the... Toe. No, 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 no. She didn't was, give it, anything back. It was a rescue dog, and she returned it. They uh, made her bring it back. Okay. So uh, I know she, she, it's kind of like uh, Mark Chernoff said, uh, we're going to fire you or you could resign. Which one do you want to do? So I resigned. You know, listen, I tweeted something this morning, and I took it right down right away. We're not going to start with COVID today. We'll get to all about Andrew Cuomo, all that nonsense. There's a couple of really ugly stories out there. The jogger in Georgia, black man, gunned down by three white redneck lowlives. No one's going to defend these guys. They're lowlives. They should get the death penalty. And then, of course, you've got this Minneapolis story, which is really, really gross as well. George Floyd, God rest his soul. You know what? They should fire those cops. They are fired. Oh, really? <laughs> Are you being serious? Uh, no. Yeah, no, they got fired. No, no, I know that. Oh, yeah. So they fired all four of those cops. But, I mean, so they fired the cops. They're doing an investigation. Right. No, they, they, they well, got what so, was coming to them. So why, why, why are uh, we having some civil unrest? Well, this is exactly my point. Between the Georgia story, which I believe now I've seen something on CBS News for 13 consecutive days. We know what happened. Three white rednecks in Georgia killed an innocent black man. It's horrible. It's disgusting. It's not happening in epidemic fashion in this country like they want you to believe blacks are being hunted. But uh, it's gross. Same thing in Minneapolis. Terrible story. The guy was in, shouldn't, shouldn't have died. Bottom line. Okay, no one's defending that. And even this dopey lady in Central Park. My point this morning was on Twitter. The amount of zeal. The amount of zeal, Bernard, and excitement that the media gets when a black person is wronged by a white person is is off the charts. They can't wait, and they let it, and they every day, every day, every day. I'm going to say this to you, folks. I know it's going to sound nuts. I'm going to whisper this. There's actually white people that get wronged by black people every day, murdered, raped, killed. Every day. Sorry, Izzy. Good morning, Richardson. How are you? I don't see Al Sharpton out there yelling and screaming for the white people. I don't see CBS going on and on for two weeks about those stories. All I'm saying is I want some consistency. What happened in Georgia was disgusting. What happened in Minneapolis was disgusting. What happened in Central Park, in my, in my opinion, is a bit of an overreaction. 
to a lady who obviously did something wrong, but I want consistency. When a black person kills a white person, I want to see it for two weeks every single day on CBS. Is that fair? That's more than fair. You're not going to happen, though. Well, and I'll go you one better. I have this right here, this story, the New York Post. How about a black on black where they release the, uh, the assailant, the perp. He's black. Meanwhile, the victims are black women, black women, uh, and they continually release this guy, this one guy. His name is Frankie Harris. In February, he, he hits a woman's, uh, he touches her ass in Harlem. Yeah. He gets arrested. He gets charged with forcible touching, uh, sex assault, et cetera, et cetera. The first judge, uh, the sla- he's got a record. The first judge slaps him with uh, $5,000 cash bail. The second judge, Althea, her name is Althea Drysdale. Two days later, she says, no, 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 no. Just let him out. Hmm. Put him on supervised release. Okay. He's on supervised release. This is back in February. And then uh, about a couple of weeks after that, in February, he's, da- he's on the L train platform in Brooklyn. He assaults a woman, a mom with two kids. And then he ends up, uh, I guess, uh, so, some, some guys try to intervene. He punches them, spits in their faces, spits in the mother's face. He's charged with uh, uh, like 16 counts. Of uh, all kinds of things, sixteen counts of uh, felonies. Oh, oh, we call this second guy a Puerto Rican. Uh, the F word that rhymes with maggot. Right, I got so you. it's a hate crime too. Right. Well, listen. So uh, wait a second. Yeah, he gets arrested for both those crimes. Yeah, the second crime he gets released. Yeah, he gets released out, and, and that was just Judge Hillary Gingold, and I believe we've heard from her before. So now he's out. What does he do uh, uh, in May? He goes up in, in Harlem to a black woman. He chokes her out, chokes her out. He chokes her for three minutes, and then he rapes her. Mm. And at his arraignment, they just busted him uh, a couple of days ago. At his arraignment, the, the prosecutors told the judge that uh, she is expected to die. Um. Where is the outrage? Well, the, the, this listen, is Governor Cuomo's uh, no-cash-bail law and a couple of uh, uh, liberal activist judges. Those are, that, that's, this is a different story, though. You're right. Cuomo's no-cash-bail is disgusting, the judges. But black-on-black black is not sexy. doesn't count in this, okay? White-on-white white doesn't count in this, okay? We're talking about when a white person wrongs and or kills a black person and a black person kills a white person. Black-on-black black is not sexy. Hate to tell you. Happens all the time. White on white is not sexy. There's no racism involved. I'm talking about flat-out racism where we've seen white people exhibit that uh, the last couple of weeks in the most heinous of fashion. But when it's on the other foot and a black person wrongs a white person, racism, you're, you're right. That, that, that's all about bail reform and, it's, and black it's on black about, is the way. But it's, it's not about, sexy. It's all about uh, women being victimized by per- perpetrators well, that's not what I was being allowed to. Out on the street. Well, not, not, it should be pointed out. Uh, and victims, that's fair. victims are victims, no matter who commits the crime. No, I understand that, but I was talking specifically about racism. Black on black is not racism. White on white is not racism. But what we're hearing today between the cops in Minneapolis and the white rednecks in Georgia and this lady in Central Park, all three of those stories are about racism. Nothing else. Yeah, no, I, I, I believe me. I, it, I, it frustrates I, I, the hell out of me I, that it's not, on the, it's not, it's I, not treated the same way in both cases. I am not a stupid person. I understand that. I understand, but the crime is crime. Victims are victims, and if you're going to be outraged by uh, people who are perpetually or constantly being victimized by uh, by animals who are let out of jail re- repeatedly, no matter what they do, and you don't say squat about that, but you're outraged about stuff like you're talking about, well, you're a hypocrite. It's it's it's, it's along the same lines. The hypocrisy is 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 similar. 
No, I understand. I got you. And uh, I'm glad you brought that story up. But again, I was just uh, specifically talking about how it's completely unfair. Uh, maybe unfair is the wrong word. It's just it's 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 weird that one race uh, attacks another and it's it's talked about for weeks and weeks and weeks. It's not the same the other way. You around. mean sort of say the the nursing home incident in Michigan where that twenty uh, yeah. year old yeah. black guy on a, on a white old white guy, Governor Gretchen Whitmer decided to put a COVID-infected patients of any age into a nursing home of any age. She ordered that, and this guy was put into a room with a 75-year-old veteran and beats the crap out of him. He's black. Uh, the, the veteran's white. This 20-year-old kid is black. Yeah. And you don't hear squat about don't it. Don't hear, but if it was the other way around, and that was a white redneck kid beating the living daylight out of a 75-year-old African-American man, it would be on every network this morning, and that is what I started the show with today. That is, I, I get the, the black on black. That's a terrible crime. That's on Andrew Cuomo. His policy is And is, the judges, is terrible. And, and the, the media judges. for ignoring it. Right, all of them. But, but I'm talking specifically about the double standard with the racism in this country, and it's just, it's... it's it's, it's, well, but it's frustrating. You know, they, they pretend to care about the black people who are uh, victimized in these crimes, like the black guy in uh, Georgia, the guy who shot, the black guy who was uh, who's apparently killed by these police. Yeah. Uh, these people are black as well. Why don't they care about them? You mean the people on the black and black crime? Yeah, the woman who is ra- who's going to who's expected to die within days. Because she's again, black. She wasn't killed by a white person. It's not sexy. I keep saying the same. Thing I, I, over I know. And over. I understand that. But, but I understand. But, but they, should, right, they, they should. They should. If you're going to care about victims, you care about victims. Yeah. And and by the way, it was a white governor who allowed this to happen. So it's white on black crime. Seriously, the Hillary Gingold sounds to me like a white lady. Yeah, she probably is. I'm yeah. sure she is. And why are all witches named Hillary, by the way? <laughs> That's a good question. I don't know the answer to that. Also, listen, uh, I guess we got a day closer yesterday to uh, phase one here in New York City. Bill de Blasio saying we can get there in a couple of weeks, maybe even a couple of days, maybe even by this Monday, June the 1st, phase one right here in the epicenter of the COVID-19 New York City. And uh, that means nothing because, as we know, phase one is nothing. Construction, manufacturing, a couple of retail stores that can go curbside. Wake me up when we get to phase two. But you can't get to phase two, Bernard, without starting on phase one. No, you can't. Uh, You're taking way too damn long. But, uh, you know, let's do it. They're starting to feel the pressure, I think. The science and the data, uh, they're on uh, the the no lockdown side. Let's put it that way. They're on a no lockdown. We passed the crisis a long time ago, passed it a month ago, and we're still locked down. It's not right. Staten Island in and of its own, they've met all these uh, idiotic criteria, including the social and the idiotic. uh, When I say idiotic, I'm talking about the contact tracing and the testing. That should not have been part of the criteria. Either way, they met it. And he won't let them open. No. Long Island is uh, set to reopen, I guess, uh, today. Right, phase one? That's right. Your your neighborhood, phase one? Yep. Very exciting, right? It is exciting. It's it's progress. It's, you know, step in the right direction. But again, way too, way too slow. Talking about way too slow. Andrew Cuomo, our governor, set to meet with the president of the United States, Donald Trump, later on today. 1-800-848-WABC. 1-800-848-9222. A fiery start. Here on the Bernie and Sid in the Morning Show. We don't wait till 7. <laughs> this show starts at 6, and we'll be right back. Back here on the Bernie and Sid Show. Heard everywhere on the 77 WABC app. And, uh, you know, we're going to shoot off a rocket today down at Cape Canaveral. It's a big deal. 
The president's going to be there. Uh, the vice president's going to be there. They're teaming up with uh, Elon Musk and SpaceX, NASA, SpaceX. And it's actually the first trip uh, where the United States itself is sending a couple of astronauts to the uh, space lab, the International Space Lab, without hijacking a ride on board a Russian vehicle. How about that? That's a big deal. Any, I mean, uh, do they have COVID on Mars or... Or on you know, Jupiter or I wonder Uranus. They, uh, yeah, I meant to ask you that, too. Uh, with, with, with the riots out in Minneapolis, were they social distancing? Oh, I don't think so. So, uh, yeah, they're going to have this uh, thing. I hope it goes off well. It's going to be great. The Dow opened uh, yesterday. There were people actually on the floor of the stock market. I should say the stock market opened. The Dow was up. Uh, it, it hit over 25,000 for a little while, which is a big deal. It came under just under 25,000, up almost 500 points. Uh, so good things happening now. Uh, Except for the beginning of that, of course, when uh, Dopey Andrew Cuomo and his daughters and their stupid masks. Oh, they rang the bell. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the mask thing. So look, the, the president's on the front page of the New York Post uh, talking about a tweet fight. Twitter is uh, now all in. They're all in with the dishonest, uh, biased news media. They, uh, the, the president tweeted rightfully that uh, this uh, mail-in voter effort, this universal uh, mail-in voter system that they're trying to implement as a result of the pandemic, which is uh, ridiculous. It is fraught. It is fraught with uh, potential for voter fraud, massive voter fraud, fraught with it. So anyway, he tweeted that out and they put underneath Twitter did. They said this is unsubstantiated. And guess who they said to uh, to check out? Guess who they cited as their sources? Uh, Facebook. You talk about fake news. They cited the Washington Post and CNN. Oh, those are two of the worst. Can you believe that? Just say at the New York Times, you've got the perfect trio. <laughs> they actually had the balls to cite the Washington Post and CNN as the source to say that the president's assertions were not true. I mean, this is the Washington Post and the same CNN spent three and a half years talking about his collusion with Russia and his meddling in the 2016 election, which completely turned out to be false. Anyway... You have that, and uh, also people complaining about him tweeting the president about Joe Scarborough and the intern being a murderer. Here's what the president said about that. I also saw a uh, clip with, uh, with Joe and Imus uh, where they were having a lot of fun at her expense, and I thought it was totally inappropriate. Now, it's a very suspicious thing, and uh, I hope somebody gets to the bottom of it. You're suggesting that Joe Scarborough was responsible? Yeah, a lot of people suggest that. <laughs> so, so uh, Imus lives. Imus still lives. Imus uh, lives. Yeah, where my Imus at on Twitter. But, you know, Trump there, and people, people may have forgotten, but about a year before Trump won, uh, he was on with Imus. We, you and I were still on the show at that point. We were always on the show. And, um, and then they stopped talking, you know, blubber titties, blah, 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 and it ended ugly. And right there, Trump was uh, not nice to Imus. He actually said it was an inappropriate exchange. So it wasn't like he said Scarborough said something wrong. You know, congratulations to Imus to get him out of it, to get it out of him. He said that was inappropriate, basically an inappropriate exchange. They, they laughed over this dead girl, which wasn't right. Yeah. So he took a shot at Imus, President Trump. Well, you know what? Let, let us listen to that very exchange. Here it is. <laughs> well, well, tell me what I need to do. Well, no, you're doing great. I mean, don't be afraid to be funny. Okay. Because you are funny. Uh, that was a. You know, I asked you why you went in Congress. You said you'd have sex with the intern, then you had to kill her. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's just, exactly. it's just, it's pretty risky to say. What are you going to do? There you go. He uh, says exactly, exactly what are you going to do? Laughing. And by the way, we've said, I've told you this before. He used to beg me to allow Imus on the show. 
to, uh, for Imus to allow him to get on the show on MSNBC. And then, ironically, he ends up taking over after Imus gets fired in uh, 2007. But there it is. There's that. Now, look, I wanted to squeeze this in, really. This Nick Augenbaum, he's a dentist out in Brooklyn. Uh, you're going to hear, uh, we talked to him about a couple of days ago. Sid starts off the questioning. This is really just uh, emblematic, really representative of what small businesses are going through in the medical profession and, you know, regular small businesses everywhere in, the, in New York State at the hands of Il Duce, Governor Cuomo, who continues to bask in the spotlight while businesses and livelihoods die. And again, people are dying also on the streets because of his past uh, laws, the no-cash bail law. This guy is a, a legitimate scumbag. Anyway, here is the uh, conversation with a man, a dentist named Nick Augenbaum. It really does seem like, the, of all the doctors and the medical people, that you guys, the dentists, are really having the most difficult time, yes? You're 100% correct. Let me tell you something. Since March 22nd, we were shut down, and we were told that you only can see urgent and emergency care. As of May 18th, 40 states uh, have dental offices open, and two have no mandates whatsoever on what you can go ahead and do, except where we are currently in New York State. And they're really, it's really a two-pronged problem. First of all, it's a health care problem. Cuomo went ahead and said, and I quote, if you have a toothache, then you should go to the dentist. Unfortunately, that's not the way health works, and that's not the way dentistry works. We all know that you can have issues, major issues, manifesting even without any pain whatsoever. So to tell somebody that you should only go to the dentist if you have pain when we could have caught something when it was smaller, and I see that right now with my emergency care that I'm seeing. People have to lose their teeth and or need root canals and crowns, which is more invasive and more costly to the patient rather than seeing them earlier when we could have caught it earlier and it would have been less invasive and it would have been more affordable to the patient. So we're sort of uh, getting handcuffed by the uh, governor's office and uh, we're not able to go ahead and open and help uh, people with their, with their healthcare needs. Um, Additionally, um, the Cuomo went ahead and said 14%, there was a 19% infection rate amongst the general population, and with nurses and doctors, there's only a 12% infection rate, and he applauded them because they have PPE, uh, protective uh, personal equipment. We've been practicing with PPE forever and ever, and now we're even putting on more PPE, and we're instituting mechanical, chemical, infection control type of things in, in the office itself to go ahead and make it even safer. And to go ahead and still be handcuffed with all those precautions in place is really putting um, a strain on, number one, people's health, and number two, on the small business aspect of it as well. Absolutely. Well said, Nick. Very well said. Representative of not just dentistry, but uh, other medical uh, professions as well. I mean, and and conditions, you know, skin, uh, skin cancer breast cancer, all kinds of things that people are delaying, not going for, uh, even chemotherapy, uh, stuff they may feel a symptom and it, it might lead to a stroke, but they won't go to the hospital or they can't go to the hospital because they're afraid of the coronavirus when they should have been able to go. And yet and they, they probably suffered the stroke when it was unnecessary or something like that. I mean, to, just, to, just to give you an example. So, Nick, what you're saying is uh, very true, sad, and it has to end. One hundred percent. I mean, it's safer to come to the dental. I'm just talking about the dental office because that's my profession, but it's safer to come to the dental office than it is to go to Home Depot, Costco and Walmart. Um, And unfortunately, we're shut down. And I I applaud the coalition for the small businesses and people opening up. The problem that we have as dentists is, is that we're regulated. 
we can't. Oh, they'll, they'll take your licenses up. away. They'll take That's your license correct. away. Right. They'll right. take our license right. away. So right. we're stuck. We're somewhere in the middle. We're not included in any phases. We're not represented. Yes. Um, and it's a, it's, really, it's a real, real shame. And that, that goes for gyms, that goes for spas, that goes for all small businesses. They're not in until phase three and four. I mean, that's a long ways off, even though uh, phase one today in New York yesterday, in Long Island, and yesterday mid-Hudson, whatever, it's still not enough. It's still baby steps, and uh, Governor Cuomo does not care about New Yorkers. He's killing New York, and uh, he's going to rot in hell for ruining this city and this state. Him and de Blasio on the Bernie and Sid Show. You can start off. Back to this um, double standard that exists in our country in a big way off these terrible, terrible stories. The poor guy in Georgia, the poor guy that the cops in Minneapolis killed, and uh, certainly this uh, Central Park story, and and they're all very, very sad. And all these folks uh, need to be um, arrested, and and they all have been, by the way, all of them, except for this young lady. Of course, she was just fired, and they took the doggie away. But uh, as I mentioned, at 6 o'clock, the the double standard, you're not going to hear when a black person goes out and kills a white person ever. It happens. It happens all the time. You're not going to hear about it. But, of course, anytime a white person is an injustice with a black person, they run it 14 days, 17 days, 19 days, 20 days. Al Sharpton is outside. The whole world goes crazy. And I'm sick of the double standard. They're trying to stoke division. They want division. They're they're really sick in the head themselves. They really are. This is what they want. They want people at each other's throats. And it's uh, I'm, I'm just up to here with it. They did it during the Obama administration successfully, by the way. Yep. Uh, on phone, fake stories, the hands up, uh, don't shoot hoax was really the one that kicked it all off. But there were other incidents as well. Oh, they, they, they still talk about Michael Brown like he was an angel. This guy was a thug, a lowlife, a criminal. He got exactly what he deserved. And, and everybody agrees, like you said. The, if they, what they did down in Georgia, everything that the authorities allege is true, they, they should be arrested. They should be executed. They pro- did arrest execu- them. Yes, I they know. They arrested all three guys. And, and, and the cops were fired in, in uh, Minneapolis. Uh, they're doing an investigation. If they did something illegal, I don't know. I did not see the tape. I saw the tape. They will be dealt with. They're going to be. They're going to be. They're going to be trouble. charged. Yeah, and that's fine. That's great. And then move on. I look at the, uh, uh, the the dude in uh, Staten Island. Same thing with the uh, selfies, the cigarettes. Right. Eric Garner. Well, that's the what cop got fired. They're comparing this story, uh, George Floyd. God rest his soul, the guy killed in Minnesota, to Eric Garner. That's what Al Sharpton made that comparison. Yes. And by the way, if they, they didn't have uh, such high taxes in this state. There would be no need to sell loose cigarettes. That's another story. You're yeah. right. <laughs> that's right. So we'll get back to that later. I do want to do some stuff here, Bernie, that's a little uh, less toxic and a little less scary, and that is sports. You know, President Trump keeps talking about it. We keep talking about it. Andrew Cuomo keeps talking about it. Rudy Giuliani keeps talking about it. The return of sports. And again, we've seen MMA fights. We saw golf. Rory McIlroy winning two weeks ago, that great event on Saturday with Tiger Woods, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, and Phil Mickelson. We've seen NASCAR, both on the track and virtual. But really, it's about the four majors, baseball, basketball, football, and hockey. Well, hockey is getting very, very close. Now, the Rangers, the New York Hockey Rangers, Pete Morgan's listening, they're only about four points, meaning if I remember correctly, it's, only, it's, been, about, it's been three months, it feels like three years. I went to a Rangers-Blues game the last week before the COVID. They're only like four points out of the playoffs, right? 
Yeah, no, they, they're right on the edge. So, uh, as you're going to explain, I think 24 teams are going to make the playoffs. 24 teams, so I think that would include our Rangers and the Islanders. I'm not sure the Devils would make it, but uh, it's coming. Here he is, in fact, the commissioner of the National Hockey I understand hockey of the four sports is the least popular, but not here. In New York, we've got three teams, if you include the Devils, and we are a rabid hockey town between the Rangers and the Islanders. Here's NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman, a couple of cuts on the return of the National Hockey League. When the given go-ahead from the medical experts and the relevant government authorities is given, 24 of our 31 teams will resume play. The top 12 in each conference as ranked by percentage points from our standings as they stood through the games of March 11th when we paused our season as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. In early June, we expect to be able to enter phase two, during which clubs can return to their individual practice facilities for voluntary small group on and off ice training. Yesterday, we released a comprehensive protocol that will govern how we will operate in phase two. We will resume play and conduct the 2020 Stanley Cup playoffs in two hub cities that will be identified and announced at a later date. One will be the site for the resuming Eastern Conference clubs. The other will play host to the resuming Western Conference clubs. So there you have it. The NHL, two cities, two hub cities, 2014 playoffs. And it should get going here the end of June, early July. They are coming back, no doubt about it. Now, baseball, wish I had better news. As we told you yesterday, Bernie and I, the owners were set to make another proposal to the players, and they did that. The owners in baseball want to use a sliding scale. What that means is if you're Bryce Harper and you make $300 million, you're going to take the biggest hit. The richest players in baseball will take the biggest hit for the rest of this season because it's a short season, and quite frankly, they can afford it. It sounds fair to me. I mean, Byrne, if you're Bryce Harper making $300 million, you can afford to take a bigger hit than the guy making, oh, I don't know, $70 million, and the players are furious. They don't want any part of it. <laughs> I mean, it really, it's just the, 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 the selfishness these days, it, it, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, they, they see what's going on. They're aware. They're not stupid people, especially an arrogant uh, SOB like Bryce Harper. I mean, I, didn't he just de- declare he's just not playing this year, period? Pretty much. Yeah. So yeah. he's like, I'm out. I'm not, I'm not having anything to do with, uh, you know, boosting the country's morale. Nothing. He doesn't no, care. Nobody no. can inspire. Nobody can influence me to get back in the uh, Blake Snell, too, the, the pitcher for Tampa Bay, Bernie. Yeah. He was also pretty adamant about, I'm not coming back unless it's, it makes sense for us, the players. So uh, if you were looking for something good to chomp on yesterday, the latest proposal from the baseball owners, I don't have good news. But one more football. This is a football owner now. This is my friend Stephen Ross. Now, you know Ross here in New York because he's the man that built Hudson Yards. Stephen is also the guy that owns Soul Cycle, also the guy that owns Equinox. And you remember when he threw that party, that fundraiser for Donald Trump <laughs> in the Hamptons, how people stopped going to Equinox, they stopped going to Soul Cycle, these a holes in New York City. How dare you? Oh, how dare you? Well, if you didn't know this, uh, my friend Stephen Ross also owns the Miami Dolphins. In fact, it was funny when Ross first took over the Dolphins, he wanted to get, he needed more money. For the team, I guess. So he wanted to get like local talent involved with the team. So we actually had people like Gloria Estefan, Jennifer Lopez, Alex Rodriguez. All these people bought small interests in the Miami Dolphins. And he'd have this big orange carpet 
that he'd put out Sunday afternoon before the game, and he would allow all these celebrity part owners of the football right. team to entrance through the orange carpet. <laughs> was, yeah. And then they killed him down in Florida for that. They're like, tell this New York guy to take his money and go back to New York. But anyway, he was on Squawk Box yesterday on CNBC talking about all his businesses and how they're faring during this COVID-19 yeah. time. And once I got done with Soul Cycle and Equinox and Hudson Yards, I got to the Miami Dolphins. And this uh, young lady talked to Stephen Ross about the likelihood that the Dolphins will play football in 2020. What, what is the plan as far as you can tell right now with the NFL and what direction do you think it should take? I think there definitely will be a football season this year. The real question is, will there be fans in the stadiums? I think right now today we're planning on having fans in the stadiums. But I think the NFL is looking at it and is very flexible so that we will be able to start on time and really, you know, bring that entertainment that's really so needed to all of us in this country. So there he is, the owner of the Miami Dolphins and uh, New York uh, building icon, Stephen Ross. There will definitely, you heard what he said, left zero room for interpretation. There will definitely be a football season. I've got audio from J.J. Watt, the superstar lineman for the Houston Texans. He seems to differ. I got New York all fired up on this uh, hump day Wednesday morning, 6.57, back here on the Bernie and Sid in the morning show on Talk Radio 77, WABC. Very fiery first hour today. Promises continue right till 10 o'clock when Brian Kilmeade takes over. That's right. You know, I was uh, thinking on the way in this morning on the train. That's a switch. Yeah, you see what you did there? What happened? About, um, well, you know, last summer and some of the cool things that I did last summer that we did last summer. Uh, one cool thing that I did last summer was go see uh, Google Dolls and Train up at, um, you know, at... Uh, Hard Rock. No, no, not at Hard oh, Rock. Oh, up at Bethel. Upstate Bethel, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Bethel Woods. Uh, one cool thing that you and I did together, along with Heshi and a bunch of other people, was that great softball game we played. Well, one of the at highlights. At MCU Park. Well, I swear to God, it was one of the highlights of my summer. Was, my, was, was how about my career? You and I heading a team that had a bunch of, you know, Jimmy Layritz and Sean Landetta yeah. and Kieran Lawler and uh, all these, and my son Gabriel out there as my assistant uh, manager. At the uh, at ICU Park. The MCU. MCU, yeah. MCU excuse yeah. me. The Coney Island Park. Yeah, the home of the Brooklyn Cyclones yeah. right on the beach. It was great. It was an amazing I, I'd never day. been to Coney Island before, A. But B, to, uh, like you said, be leading a team with a, a bunch of uh, luminaries and playing on the field, actually playing a game, it was great. And raising money, of course, from Imanity's Medical Center, which yes, is not sir. a bad thing. Um, and, uh, you know, talking about Coney Island, by the way, our owner, John Katsimatidis, the great John Katsimatidis, he's uh, rebuilding Coney Island. He's helping in that effort, just like we, sp- we spoke about Stephen Ross moments ago and what he yes. did with Hudson Yards. That is uh, John's work in uh, Coney Island, which is one of my favorite places. My dad grew up on Surf Avenue. My grandparents, God rest their souls, they lived in Trump Village. My aunts and uncles all lived in Luna Park. And for us to go to Carolina or Gargiulo's or Nathan's, any one of those places, Diners, even the Nebraska Diner on the Bell Parkway on the way to Coney Island. It was, um, it was business as usual. So I'm really happy that John is doing that because a lot of my roots, my mom's roots, 
goes back to uh, by Madison High School. She went to Madison, so did my sisters. Uh, Kings Highway, that area, Midwood section of Brooklyn, and my dad was all about Coney Island. So Making a Coney Island great again. I love that. And that, by the way, is where our friend Russ Salzberg is from. And he's got another podcast out today called Sports Ain't No Diversion on the Get A Load of This podcast at WABCRadio.com. Sports Ain't No Diversion from Russ Salzberg. Check him out. I'm glad you brought up Russ Salzberg. So some guy calls into Steve Summers. You know, before the midday show at WFAN was Jody McDonald and Susan Waldman, which became Jody McDonald and Sid Rosenberg, then Sid Rosenberg and Joe Beningo. The midday show was Russ Salzberg and Steve Summers. And their fights were legendary. <laughs> they killed each other. So somebody actually called in to WFAN just a couple of nights ago, and you and I got mentioned. You and I got mentioned. Really? And they asked Steve about Russ Salzburg. I have to play it for you. It's genius. It's funny you mentioned Russ Salzburg. We'll save it because we got the 7 o'clock hour coming up. Deb has the news. Back here on the Bernie and Sid Show. We're going to push it. Pull it. Pull the trigger. We are heard everywhere, by the way, on the 77 WABC app. And a lot happening. A lot going on today, Sydney. A lot. The governor is going to meet with the president today, as you pointed out earlier. And they're going to talk some important stuff for this city. The uh, LaGuardia air train, the Cross Hudson tunnels, which I know the president wants to get done. Second Avenue subway expansion. Also, uh, the new LaGuardia airport that they're, they're working on. And the new Penn Station, yeah, right here. They want to get it done. And Cuomo's thought is, hey, look, nobody's working there. And a lot of people are not commuting. Let's get it done. <laughs> well, so anyway, It's a decent point. He's right about that. No, he is. And the president wants to work on these things, too. He has said as much before. So anyway, uh, 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 first of all, the numbers uh, in New York, there's no reason to be shut down. No reason at all. Listen to Andrew Cuomo. Number of hospitalizations down. Great news. Rolling average down. Number of intubations down. Number of new COVID cases down, down to down, down. the lowest level since this ever started. Just about 200. Amen. So what the hell are you waiting for? And by the way, speaking of down, his approval rating is down from the 70s to the 60s. Oh, Cuomo. Uh, yes, the nur- nursing home uh, scandal gets a little more play. But still 60s? It's still in the 60s, yeah. yeah, the, yeah. the low 60s. I actually saw watched Channel 5 on, I think it was Friday night. Channel 5 and this uh, genius uh, anchor, Dari Alexander, she's almost as dumb as uh, Steve Lacey. She actually reported for the first time the nursing home scandal and the Cuomo thing. She reported for the first time on Friday night. Is that right? Yeah. And, she and, actually and, made that and, point? And just glossed over it. Uh, yeah, she was the, it, it, unless they, met, they said it some, some other time, they didn't. The way she presented aye, it was aye, like aye. it was the first time. And Governor Cuomo has been criticized for the, Oh, yeah, really? He's been, you, you missed that uh, for the last few weeks? Aye, so anyway, aye. the Cuomo, Cuomo also said this about masks. Take a listen. Wearing a mask is now cool. I believe it's cool. If I could sign an executive order that says wearing a mask is officially cool. You're an idiot. No, it's not. And we're going to get to Biden and Trump and the masks. Yeah, they, they fought about it. But I did tweet twice yesterday, at Sid Rosenberg on the Twitter. The show's Twitter is at Bernie and Sid. Instagram, at Sid Rosenberg, too. As you can tell, I spent a lot of time in the park yesterday. I'm burnt like, a, like to a crisp. And I saw 
a lot of people, Bernard, a lot of people with towels and uh, bed sheets laying out, picnicking in the park. That's the good news. Staring at that bright sun yesterday, 72 I degrees and sunny. Tweet. Wearing masks. Wearing masks. Idiots. And then I'm walking out of the park, and when you walk out of That'd the be- park, Bernie, you literally walk by the 96th Street exit where people are driving, and I'm watching car by car zoom by me, people alone driving in their cars, in their cars, wearing masks. They're being brainwashed by the local news media. and they, they're, actually, they're watching the uh, mainstream uh, news media, the local news media like Channel 5 and all these people. And also the fake news cable uh, uh, news outlet, CNN, MSNBC. As a matter of fact, over the weekend, MSNBC, this uh, Katie Tour, oh. she sent a reporter out to uh, Wisconsin, which is reopened. The judge said, nope, we're reopening. It's unconstitutional. So he was out there, and he was, uh, the reporter was sort of complaining. He's wearing a mask. The reporter is complaining that nobody's wearing a mask. And this one dude is circling him. He's not wearing a mask. And he's videotaping the reporter's report. And you'll hear him call out the reporter. Take a listen. So are the people there just not worried about it, Cal? Are they not worried about their own personal safety? I haven't met anybody who is. I think people felt like the Supreme Court made the decision here in Wisconsin that it was time to open up. But you can see here, just around. Nobody's wearing them. Nobody's, uh, there you go, including the cameraman. Yeah. You hear him? Including the cameraman. Striking images. Striking images. Could they cut away as quickly as possible? Your cameraman's not wearing a mask, and half your crew is not wearing a mask. You're wearing one on camera for show, you fake news oh, creep. Oh, she was wearing a Katie Tour no, on camera? No, the reporter. Oh, she, the reporter, she was, she right, was, right. She was in studio. Right, he was right. out in Wisconsin. And, by the way, everything, uh, Florida, Georgia, Texas, all, you know, the, the, the numbers are not spiking. If anything, they're going down. Now, uh, the president had got into this, uh, he spat with Joe Biden. He did not wear a mask uh, publicly at any of the Memorial Day ceremonies. Joe Biden uh, emerged from the basement, did so, looked really stupid. This is Trump on that. No, Biden can wear a mask, but he was standing uh, outside with his wife, perfect conditions, perfect weather. They're inside, they don't wear masks. And so I thought it was very unusual that he had one on. But I thought that was fine. I wasn't criticizing him at all. Why would I ever do a thing like that? So, <laughs> right. So listen, Brit Hume, of all people, Brit Hume tweeted a, that picture of Joe Biden wearing the black mask up close with his ears uh, flapped wide. He looked like a, just like the Alfred E. Newman with a black mask on. So, so stupid, so silly. And Brit Hume actually tweeted, I guess this is why Trump won't wear a mask. He actually tweeted that and caught a lot of hell for it. Well, listen, I got to say this. I want my leader to stand out there with confidence, with optimism. And I'll say this for the millionth time. If you're walking around with a mask, you're reminding me that, A, there are some sick people, and, B, we're living in a, quote-unquote, sick society. When I see my president walk out, as he should, outside with no mask, I go, that's my leader. Not some old man wearing a mask like he's the next person to end up with a ventilator at uh, Maimonides Medical Center. Especially if you're outdoors, you're anti-science, you're anti-data, you're not uh, following uh, what they're telling you. And to that point, Britt Hume, he actually responded to all the criticism. He got a lot of it. And this guy is not a real Trump lover. He just calls balls and strikes, as I've said before, which is why I play him, because uh, he's more credible than, say, me, who's all in for the president. Listen to Britt Hume on Trump versus Biden in the masks. Well, Biden, like anybody else wearing a mask, looked ridiculous. And the mask that he had on with his black sunglasses, it seems to me, made him look especially ridiculous. And added to that is this. He's outside at a war memorial 
he is with his wife, with whom he's been quarantined for, what, 10 weeks, something like that, nine weeks? He's not a COVID carrier. So the idea that you're wearing a mask to protect someone else doesn't seem to apply here, especially the fact that it's outdoors, where there's very little empirical data indicating that the virus spreads very easily outdoors. In addition to that, if you look at all the other video of the event, he's well out of six-foot range from nearly everybody he comes in contact with, and you really don't get it by simply passing somebody. I mean, that's not, or somebody opens a door for you. But I don't think it makes much of an example to wear a mask where in a situation where nearly all the data we have indicated that it's not necessary. And on top of that, it looks absurd. And of course, you know, as vain as Donald Trump is, I mean, think, think of what he goes through every day to prepare himself to be seen. You know, he goes through this whole ritual with his hair where he sprays it into submission and he's got it all combed up in a certain way so that it covers his forehead. But this is the way he wants to look and he cares a lot about it and doesn't like to look any other way. And I think, you know, he put on that mask out at that plant went out in Michigan. Michigan or whatever it was the other day, and I don't think he liked the way it looked on him. And I think when he looks at that picture of Joe Biden, he thinks Biden looks ridiculous, and he kind of does, and he doesn't want to look that way. He looks completely and totally foolish is the way he looks. And Brit Hume is exactly right, a thousand percent right. And again, it's anti-science, anti-data. That's these governors, like Governor Cuomo, for example, he's, the numbers are down, down, down. The data's telling you it's time to reopen. What are you waiting for? Staten Island, I, I know the rest of the state has phase one. New York City's the only place that doesn't even have phase one. Staten Island's ready to go. Phase one is not enough. Phase one is baby steps. It's not enough. Listen to the data. Listen to the science. Listen to yourself. Listen to your own words. Now, uh, one last thing. Joe Biden actually uh, spoke out about this uh, this uh, guy, Larry McKelvey, who calls himself Charlemagne on the radio. He's accused, a former accused rapist. He pled guilty to contributing to the delinquency of a minor which is probably why he didn't ask Biden about uh, his own sexual allegations during that little uh, uh, back and forth. Anyway, Biden said this yesterday about Larry McKelvey, that interview where he said, if, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. He was being a wise guy and I responded kind. I shouldn't have done that. Look, the state you're sitting in here is over, you know, it's the eighth largest black population in America. It's a percent of, of vote, of, of, of population. Blah, 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 and blah. I've got overwhelming support every time I run, but I've worked like hell because I work in the east side. I work in all the things I care about, making what? sure their houses are as valuable as the same white person's house in a white neighborhood. What is he talking about? I what have no the idea. Hell is, hey, he lives in a, a mansion that's gated. He lives, he lives in an exclusive white neighborhood. He has for 50 years. What the F is he talking about? This guy with the mask, and he's hiding in his basement, and he's still beaten in some of the polls. By the way, the polls are rigged. The polls don't sample enough Republicans. They are, uh, they're, they're just not indicative. They're wrong. And uh, so don't pay attention to too many polls, but when I tell you, especially uh, the national polls, because they just they're not indicative. But in any case, the fact that he's still ahead doesn't make any sense on the Bernie and Sid show. We're coming right back. 728 on your hump day Wednesday morning, back on the Bernie and Sid in the morning show. Did uh, tell you guys that in my spare time now at home, I've um, well, I I do this uh, Instagram live stuff, you know, because I could do it from my own living room right there and. Upper West Side, right there in my apartment. And I had a chance to talk to Teddy Atlas, the Hall of Fame boxing trainer, on Saturday before the big Mike Tyson special on ESPN Saturday night. That went great. Then on Monday, Memorial Day, I spoke to my old producer, now a huge star in the sports world. She sits next to Colin Coward every day. The lovely Joy Taylor was my guest. And last night, 30 minutes of great, great television with 
comedian Lisa Lampanelli. She was really good, and I've got Jim Brewer coming up tomorrow night. So all you got to do is go to my Instagram account, at Sid Rosenberg. You can check these out. They're about 30 minutes in length, and uh, I do them about two or three times a week, most nights, 7 p.m. Eastern time, Instagram Live, at Sid Rosenberg. Again, you'll see Teddy Atlas, Joy Taylor, Lisa Lampanelli, and Jim Brewer is coming up tomorrow night. Now, we did mention earlier, too, Bernie brought up Ross Salzberg, who does a great podcast here. And usually when Bernie and I are off, Russ fills in, and he does a great job. Love Russ. Russ is an icon in this city, been doing television for the longest time, had a successful midday stint on WFAN with Steve Summers. And a, now he does the podcast here. Yeah, the, what's it called again? Get a load of this. Right, get a load of this. And he's got one now that's called Sports Ain't No Diversion. There you go. So some guy calls in late night. Summers is now working until 3 o'clock in the morning. Get up, man. They changed the whole schedule around. So some guy calls in. And uh, he brings up Bernie and Sid, and he brings up Ross Salzburg on WFAN. Now, if you didn't know, Summers and Salzburg had a, had a um, well, tough relationship. <laughs> uh, Salzburg may deny it, but the truth is they didn't really get along. And I'm not even sure they even liked each other. But they were very good together and had good success. Anyway, here is uh, the exchange between some caller and Steve Summers on FAN and a little Bernie and Sid mention for you. So I saw the uh, sweater. Russ Salzberg was on uh, 77 WABC on Monday. Uh, yeah, he's he done some of that. He does a podcast, and I think he works from one of the studios over there. So I'm not surprised to hear that. He might even fill in, I guess, what, on the morning show? I guess for uh, yeah, Bernie and Sid. Yeah, right. If one of them is not going to be there, I think uh, he calls me once in a while, and I like to remind anybody and everybody that with the five years that I worked with him, it was like working with a member of the family, the Adams family. <laughs> oh. Not a lot of love. Oh, and not a lot of love so for us good. either. Huh? Not a lot of love for us either. Uh, yeah, one no, of them. No, he, he, do, he does love us. Uh, you know, they, I, I got along great with him for he, years and years. And I still talk to Steve. I still talk to him today. But they, the FAN people don't like it. When, when, he, when they mention us? Our names, yeah. Okay. Especially now. You know, we've had a couple of real good weeks in the ratings, and no one's talking about sports. Well, they get a lip now. The NHL is coming back, and who knows? But, yeah, Cherny, Mark Chernoff still loves us. I spoke to Chernoff last week. His mom passed away. Oh, sorry yeah. to hear that. Um, but he doesn't love it when people start talking about Bernie and Sid uh-huh. mornings at uh, ABC. But uh, Summers is, is a great guy and does a terrific job. He is uh, an icon of legend. The schmoozer. The, the schmoozer, Absolutely. that's right. 1-800-848-WABC. 1-800-848-9222. Got so much more to cover, including uh, something happening today in the state of Florida, which hasn't happened in 10 years. And it's a big, 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 big deal. Back here on the Bernie and Sid Show. Heard everywhere in the 77 WABC app. Yeah, we're looking at a picture. It is a gorgeous day out there. Gorgeous. God almighty. It's, it's going to be gorgeous all day. What and the then hell? you got three bad days in a row, though. Oh, is that right? Yeah, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, no good. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, gorgeous. We're getting like three great days in a row, then three rainy days in a row. But today will be a, a sun splash. All right, well, we'll, we'll take that. Yeah. Today is a beautiful spring day in May, folks. They don't come along often. Savor it. Enjoy it. Now, uh, some good news. The president will be going down to uh, Cape Canaveral. He's going to watch this, uh, this rocket liftoff. It's a, it's a collaboration between uh, SpaceX and NASA. Yeah. They're going to send some astronauts. Uh, SpaceX is the, the operation owned by Elon Musk, who defied the governor out in California, said, look, I'm reopening. And the governor said, okay. 
uh, or I'll move. And then the governor said, go ahead, just, just open. So anyway, it's a, it's a collaboration. The president, the vice president will be there. The weather, 60% favorable right now. And, of course, before that, the president will meet with the governor of Cuomo, our, our yeah. state, Governor Cuomo. Well, what time and, is that liftoff, you know? Slaps him around a little bit. It's 4.30. 4, 4, 4.30 p.m.? Is yeah. The, uh, okay, yeah, got it. Why, why am I even asking that question? This is the first time in 10 years now that we're actually sending a rocket into that space. That is correct. What we had been doing was uh, uh, we've been hitching rides with the Russians, and that's about to end. And SpaceX has played a big part in it. NASA did not want to do the shuttles anymore for whatever reason. They wanted to privatize it. That's what they want to do because priv- privatization is the way to go in any endeavor in this country. Whenever you privatize something, it gets done in a much better way, which is why you know, government-run health care, it would be a complete and total disaster. It's why governments which run health care in different countries, they come here. They, this is where they come to get their health care, private health care, the United States. Anyway, you have that happening today. Now, this nursing home scandal in the, the blue states, uh, but Governor Cuomo, he's got his tail between his legs a little bit. His uh, poll numbers are down, still up in the 60s, but down from the 70s. And there was a vicious attack uh, on an old veteran, believe it or not, in a, in a nursing home in Michigan, which you heard nothing about. No doubt you heard nothing about it. I mean, the video was horrific. Oh. And the TV stations, nobody would play it or talk about it. Some, uh, they put some 20-year-old kid in a room with uh, an old man. At the, uh, this is an order by Gretchen Whitmer to put COVID-infected patients into nursing homes. COVID-infected patients of any age into nursing homes. And that's why this... This animal ended up with this old man and just punched, taped himself, punching the old man in the face repeatedly. It was so disturbing, and, and Governor Whitmer was the one responsible for that. And it is worth the uh, pointing out, of course, and we'll get touch on this at 8 o'clock, too, with all the race issues in the country, Georgia, Minneapolis, that the orderly in that place was a black man, the old man was a white man, and if you don't think that's why it's not getting any coverage, you're somewhere between naive and stupid and closer to the latter. It, I mean, it's, 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 it's incredible. It really makes you... you the, 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 first of all, if it, if, they used to say, if it bleeds, it leads. And this videotape was jarring, and the news organizations ignored it, ignored it, because maybe what Sid said, uh, because of the race aspect of it, but either way, it also well, it hurts Democratic blue state governors as well. Of course, but if it was the other way around, and it was a white orderly beating the living of daylights course, you, out of you, an old you, black you know, guy. Gail King would be, oh my God, I'm so disturbed. Thank you. I can't, I can't believe what's Thank happening. Right. And by the way, Governor Cuomo, I mentioned this earlier, a repeat offender, he was, re- he, was, he was arrested two times in February for some vicious, violent attacks, uh, one of them on women, one of them on a, a mom with two kids. He threatened to kill the kids. He spit in the mother's face and punched out a bunch of other people. They just let him out of jail, just let him go on this no-cash bail. Judge Hillary Gingold in Brooklyn just let him out, let him out. So what did he do? He was arrested uh, just yesterday. He, 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 he choked out a 64-year-old woman in Harlem, a black woman in Harlem, choked her out, raped her. And now she's about to die, say the prosecutors. That's because of Governor Cuomo's no-cash bail law. And these liberal activist judges, I'm telling you, folks, they are ruining our state, our country. It is really important that we re-elect and elect Republicans in November. Very, very important. These people are disastrous. And speaking of Governor Whitmer, you know, the story about she banned the use of motorboats and jet skis and all that stuff, amongst many other things. She was one of the worst petty tyrants. One of the worst fascist, uh, tyrannical governors in this pandemic. 
And then her husband called up to get the boat released before Memorial Day weekend. They said, we don't have time. It's only three days before Memorial Day weekend. He says, do you know who I am? I'm the, I'm the governor's husband. Come on, man. So uh, Governor Whitmer first denied it. She lied. That was her first instinct. And then yesterday, she said this. My husband made a failed attempt at humor last week when checking in with the small business that helps with the, our boat and dock up north. Knowing it wouldn't make a difference, he jokingly asked if, marrying, if being married to me might move him up in the queue. Obviously, with the motorized boating prohibition in our early days of COVID-19, he thought it might get a laugh. She's a dingbat. She's an airhead. She's a moron. <laughs> She's a vicious uh, a, a, a tyrant. She's an idiot. Well, she tried to explain it away there. But um, at least when you listen to the accounts from the guy at the, dock, the boat place, he didn't act as if the husband was kidding. Like, the husband really was like, not. Hey, there I'm, was no I'm, joke. I'm the governor's husband. Come no on. No joke whatsoever. Right. Please. I mean, it was the, her only way out after lying and getting stone cold busted. Now, I would rather have that Michigan barber in Michigan, the 77-year-old, who had his license taken away when he opened prematurely, and that was all reversed by a judge. Judge said, no, give him back his license. Let him open up. And this guy, he's very, very, I mean, this guy is very, a lot of wisdom in this 77-year-old Carl Mankey. And he talked about this governor, what, what he did to, to him, what she did to him, and also about this uh, incident with the boat on Memorial Day weekend. This is pretty typical of, of uh, people who want to rule rather than govern. You know, they, they oftentimes they'll use these type of tactics where do as I say, not as I as I do, you know, it's sort of like uh, our mothers at one time, and and truthfully, she's not my mother, you know, so I don't really probably listen too much. She is completely turned upside down on this thing. It's become more of a police state than it has uh, anything else. We need to stand up, we need to open up our businesses, and we need to show up. This police state tactic that turns one a neighbor on another, one neighbor uh, scolding another one for not being at uh, social distance, another one scolding another one for not wearing a mask, they love this kind of crap. Yep, it's divisive, they love it indeed, and uh, this guy, this, this is the guy I want to be governor, the barber, not this uh, dingbat lady, this dingbat tyrant. That's who I want. Now, look, the president tweeted something out. You think that big tech is not part of the fake news media? They are. The president tweeted out that they're trying to sneak in this uh, universal, uh, this mail-in ballot uh, policy, which is uh, fraught with peril, fraught with voter fraud. And the, the, the president tweeted something out to that effect. It will lead to a rigged election. So Twitter, on that particular tweet, they, said, they, they actually, for the first time, they said, this, was unsub- this uh, information is unsubstantiated, they said, about the president's tweet for the first time. And they, now, now, who did they cite as their sources for his information being unsubstantiated? The Washington Post and CNN. I mean... Can you believe this? Does it get worse? Well, the New York Times would be the, the perfect trio, but yes, that's as bad yeah, as it gets. That is, I mean, these people for three and a half years, Trump-Russia collusion, and they're, they, they, you're going to cite them as, as, as authorities on what is true and what is not true? And by the way, just Google voter fraud and mail-in ballots, this thing called ballot harvesting, where you have political operatives going door-to-door to solicit people's votes. It's very, very real. It happens all the time. So they're wrong, and they're, so they're part of the fake news. Them and YouTube, you know, if you're a doctor and you're talking about hydroxychloroquine or you're talking about herd immunity, you're not getting on YouTube. You're, you're off. So big tech is in, in the tank. They're part of the fake news. We're fighting a lot of people and a lot of forces here.
to keep this country the way it was because they, 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 they've, I mean, they were all united on the other side. Now, listen, on, on another note, speaking of tweets, the president was tweeting about Joe Scarborough, Joe Scarborough and his dead intern back in the 90s. And he actually, uh, well, uh, Twitter, Mika Brzezinski appealed to Twitter to uh, put an unsubstantiated label on that. They did not. The president spoke about it all yesterday. Listen to him. I also saw a uh, clip with uh, with Joe and Imus uh, where they were having a lot of fun at her expense. And I thought it was totally inappropriate. Now, it's a very suspicious thing and uh, I hope somebody gets to the bottom of it. You're suggesting that Joe Scarborough was responsible? Yeah, a lot of people suggest that. Yeah, Joe Scarborough. Look, this was a a woman in her 20s. Supposedly she had a heart attack and then she fell down and got a gash, big gash in her head. I mean, a 20-something year old having a heart attack? I mean... Doesn't sound right to me. It it seems a little shaky. And, And again, Joe Scarborough did joke about it. And did uh, almost admitted that he uh, he did something wrong with Imus joking around as the president just alluded to, because we have the tape. Take a listen. <laughs> well, well, tell me what I need to do. Well, no, you're doing great. I mean, don't be afraid to be funny. Okay. Because you are funny. Uh, that was a. You know, I asked you why you went in Congress. You said you'd had sex with the intern, and then you had to kill her. And, <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's yeah, pretty risky to say. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Exactly. What are you going to do? Uh, I miss used to call him Banjo Boy, by the way, because he's got those little eyes. You he know, does. He, he, yeah. lo- he looks like something. He, he's from the Panhandle in uh, Florida. He looks that way. And he looks like you would see him uh, in the woods somewhere up in a tree playing a banjo, right? He, he didn't go like, oh, no, stop, die. No, oh, no, 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 no. He's like, exactly. Listen. What are you going to do? I told you many times. He used to call me, beg me, beseech me in every way, shape, or form when I was on MSNBC to try to get him on the show. I still even have one of his uh, voicemails. I still have it, believe it or not, from uh, Joe Scarborough uh, begging me to get him on the Imus show. And then, of course, uh, you know, Imus got fired. He was like, Imus who? I don't know. I, I never heard of the guy. Yes. I never heard of him. Well, he took over the show, right? Yeah, he took over. I he mean, was I, probably right, standing right next to Keith Olbermann in Phil Griffin's office with the knife. But, but you, heard, too. you heard the obsequiousness there, right there. Yes. With, uh, with Mr. Imus and uh, joking around about the dead intern. And he thought it was funny. It was, it, yeah, and it was inappropriate uh, for, uh, for Joe Scarborough. Imus does what he does. He was the, you know, I mean, he was the, he was the radio guy. Joe Scarborough was the former congressman and news person who played along, and he should have just said, look, that's not true. Oh, right. That's not even funny or something like right. that. Right, exactly. No, don't say that's not true. Something like that. Yep, not, yep, yep. Oh, yeah, no, you got it. <laughs> he should have just said, were you there? <laughs> yep. And speaking of which, Kaylee McEnany, she also brought up Imus as well. We'll play that. But also, they're going after her in a big way because she's very, very effective. I have some of the tape. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're far too kind. Can I get an encore? Back here on the Bernie and Sid Show. Heard everywhere on the 77 WABC app. You know, uh, Kaylee McEnany, she's a rising star. She really is. She's, uh, she's turning out to be as good, as, almost as good as Sarah Sanders. And short of Dan Bongino as the press secretary, I think it was a pretty damn good choice. Well, yeah, I like her a lot. Give me Dan Bongino who would kick some, uh, some, some real uh, media ass. But anyway, Kaylee's good. She also brought up the uh, Joe Scarborough, or was asked about the Scarborough uh, 
uh, dead intern thing. This is what she said. The president said this morning that this is not an original Trump thought, um, and it is not. In fact, 2003 on Don Imus's show, it was Don Imus and Joe Scarborough that joked about killing an intern, joked and laughed about it. So uh, that was, I'm sure, pretty hurtful to Lori's family. And Joe Scarborough himself brought this up with Don Imus. So Joe Scarborough brought it up himself. Here is a Scarborough, once again, just in case you missed it, with Mr. Imus. <laughs> well, well, tell me what I need to do. Well, no, you're doing great. I mean, don't be afraid to be funny. Okay. Because you are funny. Uh, that was a... You know, I asked you why you were in Congress. You said you'd have sex with the intern, and then you had to kill her. And, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's pretty risky to say. What are you going to do? So he said it. Joe Scarborough said it, joked about it, initiated it. Mr. Imus just repeated it right there. And now they're all indignant about it. Now, now it's, now it's not, not funny anymore. No, it's right? not funny. You no. know what, what is funny, though, is there you have um, Kaylee bringing up Imus twice. Twice. And then, of course, the Imus-Scarborough exchange. And we played uh, President Trump, who mentioned Imus yesterday, too. And you may remember late in yesterday's show, almost at the very end of the show, I brought up Imus. Yeah. And I said, you know, now that he's gone, God rest his soul, I kind of like him more. And you made the point that, you know, when people die, you tend not to talk badly about them. Never speak ill of the dead. You said that yesterday at about 945. Who knew that hours after that, Don Imus will be mentioned by President Trump, <laughs> his press secretary. I it know. became his name was everywhere. Yeah. And it, we it, brought him up the end of yesterday's show for the first time in months since he passed yep. away. And they were actually showing pictures of him on some of the newscasts. <laughs> I I'm like, wow. Uh, all the, uh, Mr. Imus. So anyway, the, the point here, I guess, Kaylee McEnany, rising star. She really hands it to these uh, jackass fake news fools who I can't stand because all they want to do is ask gotcha questions. They're not interested in getting information. It's combative. It's meant to be combative. It's not like a Cuomo press briefing where they just ask a question, Mr. Governor Cuomo, okay, thanks for the answer. Well, anyway, this is her talking to the media about churches. What specific provision of federal law allows the president to override a governor? The president will strongly encourage every governor to allow their churches to reopen. And boy, it's interesting to be in a room that desperately wants to seem to see these churches and houses of worship stay closed. The president said that he has that. I object to that. I mean, I go to church. I'm dying to go back to church. Yeah, they don't like when she talks back to me. Yeah. Now, a couple of schmucks, uh, and this is why I I call uh, Fox News has some fake news because you have guys like Chris Wallace, Neil Cavuto, some of these mutts. Neil Cavuto said that if you take hydroxychloroquine, you will die. This guy's an idiot. He was actually as tough on President Trump as the left-wing media. I mean, he made a statement which was a a total, outright, bald-faced lie, falsehood. I mean, uh, again, you talk about being anti-science and anti-data. I never liked him. No, and, and even before the Bill Donahue thing, which was he was way out of line with that, Cavuto, I never really liked him. Well, here's uh, on the Sunday show, here's a couple of tough guys ganging up on Kaylee McEnany, this little girl, this nice little lady who's uh, doing it. She's a tough lady, but they, you, you can't, a tough lady, don't talk to reporters like that. Listen to Jonah Goldberg and Chris Wallace. What Donald Trump wants in a press secretary is a Twitter troll who goes on attack, doesn't actually care about doing the job they have, and instead wants to impress the, really an audience of one and make another part of official Washington, another one of these essentially cable news and Twitter gladiatorial arenas. I spent six years in the White House briefing room covering Ronald Reagan. I have to say, I never, and in the years since too, I never saw a White House press secretary act like that. Oh my God, how dare she? 
go back at these fake news uh, vicious animals. How dare she? Chris Wallace is a schmuck. Always has been. Run for your life. That's how we started this show about two hours. And, uh, well, about two hours ago, as we come back with the second half and hour number three of the Bernie and Sid in the Morning Show here on Talk Radio 77 WABC on this sunsplash, beautiful Wednesday hump day morning in New York City. Uh, Run for your life is what this uh, lady, I guess, uh, Cooper, Amy Cooper, was thinking when she was walking her dog in the ramble in Central Park and an African-American gentleman walked up to her and uh, told her to put a leash on that dog, <laughs> which is supposed to have a leash on the dog. The guy was right. The, Amer- the African-American guy was right. But, and she uh, really uh, overreacted. And she may be a racist. I don't know the lady. I don't know. But she, yeah, it's, she it's, called it's, the cops. Sounds to me like a typical Upper West Side liberal. Yes. Who uh, used race because it was inconvenient for her. How dare you? I know you're not supposed to have the dog off the leash, but it's me. I can do it. You know, one standard for you and a different one for me. And so she used the uh, race, the uh, black man. I mean, but she, she was from the Upper West Side. She was. And although they're, they're the, the, la- the people that always tell you they call everybody else a racist. Everybody else is a racist. And, and the stickers all over my, my community on the Upper West Side, ICE doesn't live here and all that type of stuff. You know, so. Somebody should put a muzzle on her mush. Well, they did. She just got fired from her oh, job. Oh, they did? Yep, okay, she got good. fired from her job, and they made Bye-bye. her take the little doggy back. Uh, so, uh, and it was a rescue dog. Yeah, she had yeah, to give it back. Had to give it back. So that's uh, that's a black-white story. And, of course, the biggest story in the country for the last two weeks has been the uh, the jogger who was uh, – it's a terrible story. Poor guy was gunned down by three rednecks. All three have been arrested. Now, uh, I will admit it was very, very sad, if not uh, confusing, that it took three weeks for them to get back to these guys and arrest them. The DA did a terrible job in Georgia. But in the end, these guys were arrested. It was a tragedy. The, the young man was killed. And that was a story that's still running today. You're talking about two weeks of consecutive coverage. And now, out of Minneapolis, you have the story with the four cops, one of them kneeling with his knee on a black man's neck, very similar to Eric Garner, Staten Island. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. The guy dies. Now, again, good job in Minnesota. They've already fired those four cops did that very, very quickly. There was no Daniel Pantaleo story there. He, they were fired right away. Here's my point. Between the lady in Central Park, two consecutive weeks of coverage for this uh, terrible tragedy, the young man killed in Georgia, and uh, this guy that was killed in Minnesota, George Floyd, God rest his soul. They're all very sad stories. Uh, there is certainly racism involved in all of them. There's no question about that. But here's where I get angry. I get angry because... While it's, it's um, fair to claim all that, and it's okay for news to cover all that, when a black person goes out and kills a white person, you don't hear much about it. You know, I, just, I would like it to be fair. Every time a white person goes out and does something bad to a black person, it becomes two weeks of consecutive coverage. But are you going to tell me that there are no examples, Bernard, in this country of a black person killing raping, doing something bad to a white person, because I don't read any, I don't see any, so maybe I'm wrong. Of course. Excuse me. Uh, That black-on-white crime happens all the time. All the time. 
all the time. How come I, mean, I don't th- see There was the Michigan uh, nursing home incident. Oh, I, didn't, I, I, didn't I, mean, I didn't see that. Just for example, you didn't see it on TV? No. Oh, the one that uh, where the 20-year-old was in the room with the 75, I believe he was uh, 75 years old, a veteran, and he got pummeled in the Michigan nursing home. Oh, you mean the, the one that you showed me? Yeah. That you found? The black kid beating up a white that's guy, right. a that's veteran, right. a yeah. hero? Yeah, they didn't cover oh, that. Oh, I saw that. On, you showed me that. For example, right. yeah, that's a one, one example. They, they don't cover. And, I mean, that ties into the whole Blue State nursing home scandal, and yet they ignored it. They ignored it because, uh, A, the, maybe the racial aspect of it, but, B, it would hurt a, 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 a governor like uh, Gretchen Whitmer, who they want to elevate. Yeah, I, I think and, it's and the yet, first. And yet it was her policy that, that allowed this animal to be put in the room with this old veteran who, who eventually got pummeled while nobody was watching. This guy actually taped himself. I'm not buying it. If, if that was a, a reverse situation and the orderly was a white guy and he was beating the living daylights out of a 75-year-old black guy, Gritchen Whitmer policy or not, that's on every news station. Gail King, like you said, is crying about it. White housewives are tweeting about it. Oh, my God, when is this going to stop? All of liberal Hollywood is, is crying over it. It's nothing to do with policy. This country, and this happens all the time, and I, for one, am sick of it. I'm probably the only person in the country today that's going to talk about this because I'm either really angry or really stupid, and I don't care. I am tired of it. These stories go on for weeks and weeks. I'm glad the cops in Minnesota got fired. I'm very glad. Well, and I'm glad they arrested those I, I white would, rednecks in Georgia. I would uh, reserve judgment. Uh, th- th- that man did not deserve to die. It was forgery that they were arresting him on. It wasn't a violent crime. But apparently he was under the influence and he was resisting arrest. Okay. He didn't deserve to die. Well, that's but the I problem. But res- I, I would still reserve judgment okay. on, on what the cops did. Well, listen, the same thing with Eric Garner. I mean, he didn't deserve to die, but I thought it was pathetic that, uh, you know, Jimmy O'Neill, that coward, fired Daniel Pantaleo. He never should have been fired, that cop. Yeah, never. Yeah, yeah. so these, uh, I mean, the uh, it might have been a directive from the mayor of Minneapolis. It's a very liberal city, you know. Uh, so I don't know if the cops, look, the guy did not deserve, I'm only, I can't state that enough, but I'm not, I'm going to reserve judgment. I like that. Until I watch the Fair tape enough. and uh, see, see more and see, see maybe what happened before the tape started rolling. Fair enough. That is absolutely fair. And I'm going to side with you on that. But I got to ask this, 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. Maybe it's just me, but I, I feel like the news networks, they're very overzealous. Very overzealous to cover these stories. They find a way to keep them in the news for no two or three weeks. It. That all they want to do is stoke division. They, 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 they did it during Obama's eight years. I mean, it started with the hands up, don't shoot hoax. Ferguson, Missouri. They right. would actually go out into the streets where there'd be, there'd be like 20 people gathering, and the, CNN would send a, a camera crew here in New York. Yeah. They would send a camera crew down to Washington Square and exhort people on the air to come down and join the demonstration here in Washington Square Park because in about an hour we're going to march north up 6th Avenue or something like that. You remember, they, the, you remember the story talking about up 6th Avenue in New York when the, the, uh, the assassin came up from Baltimore and murdered those two course, cops yeah. based on Bill de Blasio's rhetoric and all these idiots in New York City laying down on the Brooklyn Bridge? I think they covered that story for one day. One day. Guy came up from Baltimore, murdered two cops. One day. I mean, I just, I just yeah. don't understand why a black person does something to a white person, and it's a, it's a one-day story. But when a white person does something to a black person, it's a three-week story. Why is that? Why? How does that help, How does that help things? Get? Al Sharpton, they this low-life piece of garbage, 
Shut up! They want you to believe that this is a racist country. These incidents, by the way, even if these cops are guilty of everything they say, they're few and far between. They're isolated, and when they do occur, they get punished. They get uh, the, the, the cop in Chicago who shot the uh, guy in the back. Oh, McDonald, yeah. I think he got life in prison, he right? He did. Shot him 16 times. He deserved it. Yeah. The cop in Absolutely. South Carolina that killed the guy got, got, uh, got in trouble for that. Same thing. He went to jail. I, I mean, uh, you know, sh- show us some examples of where they're getting away with it, and I'll side with you. I'll go out and march with you. Right. Exactly. Here's, uh, let's take some calls. We haven't done that yet today, and now we've, uh, we've talked about this now twice. Here's Bill in New Jersey. Billy's on line one. Good morning, Bill. How are you, pal? You know, I frustrate myself, too, Sid, and say, why, 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 why is this? And my answer is the media is not going to change because they thrive on trouble. They will take this and drive it home for, I don't know, another week, another two weeks. It will go on and on and on. The cops are the bad guys again, and it's black against white, black against white. You know, it's funny you say the cops are the bad guys again, Bill, on, uh, I guess, Good Morning America. We've got it on inside the studio. This will. Channel 7. These idiots. Anyway, they had a split screen earlier today. True story. One picture was the picture of the cop kneeling on uh, the gentleman who was killed in Minnesota's neck. The other picture was a picture of Colin Kaepernick. (laughs) Look, they want to... To your point, Bill. They want to perpetuate the notion that America is a racist nation and that they, they think it serves them politically. They hate this country. They really believe that. The New York Times had won a Pulitzer for something called the 1619 Project, yeah. which was all about the uh, false notion that this, was, this is a, a, a nation founded on racism. Yep, I remember. When truth be told, I mean, the, the founders had in mind abolishing slavery all along. But, but this is what they want to perpetuate and division, and they, and they think it helps them at the polls, galvanizes people to come out and vote. It's all tied in. It's very cynical. It's very divisive. It's very dangerous is what it is, but it doesn't stop them. Here is uh, our dear friend. He's a great caller, Danny on Long Island. He's on line four. Good morning, Dan. Hey, guys. Three points. Uh, one, the two yahoos uh, in South Carolina who killed that guy jogging. Put them away. I could care less. They, they murdered the man. They did. They, arrest, they, they, they even arrested the third guy who was shooting the video. So, right. look, it took them a long time. That was pathetic and really gross on the DA's part in Georgia, case, but they finally got him. Case number two. The, the video I saw in, yesterday in Minneapolis, I don't like what I see. I want to know when the guy died. Did the guy die seven hours later? Because that's it. Because if you tell me Eric Garner died on the sidewalk, that was the key thing. If, this, if they took this guy to the hospital or to prison and he died uh, two hours later, of a heart attack because he was blo- he was coked out of his mind. That's nothing. And to your point, Sid, are you aware that two little old white Italian people were murdered in a cemetery in Delaware last week, visiting the grave of their son by a black man who came in full military garb, walked up behind them, executed them, and then shot it out with the cops and with an AK-47 assault rifle. The pictures of the police armored vehicle. Peppered with bullets, you would think it was in Iraq. Well, how would hey, I know about how, how would I know about that? Did anybody cover that? Anybody? Where, where, where was it, Danny? Where Google was it? just Google Delaware Cemetery murders. Thank you got you. it. You Thank got you. It. There it is. So there's a Danny brings up a classic example of black man gunning down two white people. And I've had uh, Gail King on yesterday with Bernard. Good morning, America. On today, I've not seen that story anywhere, and that is my frustration. I feel terrible for the Floyd family. I feel terrible for the family, the kid in Georgia. I really, really do. And uh, the, the the days are coming for the folks that did this. If in fact they did do what they what we think they did, uh, but the 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 uh, the double standard in this country has really become nauseating. And if they covered it for one day, I'm fine. 
But these things go on for two weeks and three weeks. I got to hear from Colin Kaepernick. I got to hear from Al Sharpton. I got to hear from, uh, you know, John Legend. I don't want to hear from these people anymore. It's very dangerous. God. It's very da- we don't need this right now. We don't need it at any time. We never need it. But right now, especially uh, stop. Stop with the stoking division. We're divided enough. Thank you, Bernard. <laughs> The evening news. Very good, man. Fake news. Fake, dishonest, biased news. Bill O'Reilly did a uh, his piece at 720 was all about how they're never going to change. The fake news is going to stay fake because they actually profit from it. If they decided to become neutral, fair and balanced, whatever you want to call it, they would lose a lot of uh, a lot of viewers, a lot of eyeballs. So this, they're dug in. They're going to stay this way. And this is what we have to deal with in this country. I mean, the forces are arrayed against, uh, well, in my mind, right-minded people. And against the, the president, of course, for three and a half years, you heard the uh, Trump-Russia collusion, all that stuff. All fake, 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 fake. And it's all, you know, selective outrage, uh, as Sid pointed out. Selective outrage. Speaking of which, uh, Jimmy Fallon actually had, remember this... Uh, he yes. Did, he did this thing on Saturday Night Live. He did Chris Rock in blackface. Yes. Now, meanwhile, NBC fired Megyn Kelly for mentioning that, uh, you know, at Halloween, somebody wears blackface. Uh, it might not be so bad if they're paying trouble, whatever. They fired her. Uh, Jimmy Fallon actually did it, and somebody tweeted a version of it. Uh, uh, you know, they, they tweeted a video of it, and it got over a million views just in the past week. And the hashtag, it was with the hashtag, Jimmy Fallon is over party. So Jimmy Fallon actually put out a statement, and he, uh, he apologized. He says, in 2000, while on SNL, I made a terrible decision to do an impersonation of Chris Rock while in blackface. There's no excuse. Oh, stop. I'm very sorry for making this unquestionably offensive decision, and thank you all for holding me accountable. It was very funny, actually. Says Jimmy Kimmel. Uh, says Jimmy Fallon. Speaking of Jimmy Kimmel, he's got a similar problem. Call him alone. Remember that? I remember it well. Actually, it was actually worse much, than Fallon's much. Chris Rock. As a matter of fact, it was so bad. It wasn't just the fact that he wore the blackface. He was, he's wearing a uniform of, you know, Carl Malone, Utah, Utah Jazz. Jazz. yeah. And it wasn't just the, the, the blackface. Again, it was the, the voice that he used. I mean, it, was, it wasn't, uh, he wasn't replicating a black voice, which you can do. He was talking like, you know, it was really... It wasn't even that. It was insulting. Me, worse than the black voice, which he wasn't great at. I'm okay with that. It was the way he spoke, the broken English, yeah, that's what all I'm the talk- grammatical errors. Exactly- Home Alone's a smart guy. That's exactly what I'm talking about. He doesn't about. talk as, like that. As a matter of fact... Here it is. Hello, everybody out there in TV town. This is Carl Malone of the Utah Jazz here to tell you about Carl Malone home state, Louisiana. Sometime at night, Carl Malone look up in sky and say, what the hell going on up there? The UFO live on other planet, phoning home like E.T.? Carl Malone read on TV about white people getting deducted by alien. Now, Carl Malone never seen no flying saucer himself, but if he do... That's going to be a spooky time. Now, I'm looking for the uh, tweet uh, with the hashtag, uh, Jimmy Kimmel is over party. Well, forget about the tweet. The, Here's my a copy question. of that. And also, by the way, Howard Stern is over party as well. Just Google Howard Stern in blackface. Your jaw will drop. Well, he's also on Sirius XM now, but he did it on K-Rock for your, many years. Your jaw will drop. Of course, and he had real, uh, ang- our friend Shelly, Angry Black on that show, King of All Blacks. I don't care about the tweets. You just mentioned 
Uh, she got fired, Megyn Kelly, because fat racist Roland Martin went on that show and took her to task. And instead of beating him up, she started to cry. She apologized and she got fired. So if she got fired, Megyn Kelly from NBC, what about the tweet? Why wouldn't Jimmy Fallon and or Jimmy Kimmel suffer the same result? They actually did it. She didn't even do blackface, Meg Ryan. She was defending Meg Ryan, excuse me, Megyn well, Kelly. Yeah. She was defending somebody who did it. They actually did it. So if she got fired, why wouldn't Fallon and or Kimmel suffer the same fate? Well, that, that's the, uh, the, the, the tweet, the Twitter guy. Uh, his name is Chef Boy O'Dear. That was his point. Well, he's a nobody. Where's NBC well, and ABC? Yeah, no, but the reason is, of course, uh, is that uh, Megyn Kelly came from Fox News. No, that, that, that was her sin. That was the, the the stain against her was we can't she's you, you got this Fox News personality who, on, on on NBC. I don't even think that was this it. This is unacceptable. I don't think that was it. I, I think she came there with this. I'm doing a Me Too show from day one. She decided I'm doing a Me Too show, Me Too show. She had Juliet Huddy on like the first week. And when you're working in a building with Matt Lauer just getting fired and Andy Lack and all of these sexual stories kind of coming out of NBC and they just gave you like $30 million and you're going to do your show every day on the Me Too movement? Could, uh, that, that didn't work well with Andy Lack. That could play into it. I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm the Fox News thing, believe me, she was getting uh, – NBC got a lot of heat for that as well. So maybe it was a combination of the two. Whatever it was, yeah. it is, uh, you, you t- again, double standards. I mean, it's, it's almost trite at this point to point them out. But you have to keep pointing them out, folks. The hypocrisy and double standards, you just have to keep pointing them out uh, until the cows come home, until something changes, because it exists. So uh, hashtag Jimmy Kimmel is over party. I'm looking for that. Or hashtag Howard Stern is over party. Uh, Let me know when that happens on the Bernie and Sid show. What a day for this. Christopher Cross sailing on this gorgeous New York City Wednesday morning. Welcome back to the Bernie and Sid show. You know, I brought up earlier, Bernard, that I'm looking over some of my pictures. There's a great picture of me at Fenway Park from last year. Joseph Abood has already Instagrammed me a bunch this morning. Remember I played that softball game at Fenway Park and that whole thing. You yes, remember that. of course, yeah. And, uh, and I mentioned our softball game last year that you and I led at MCU Park in Brooklyn. So Heshi sent me a picture. Which I had last year. Did I call it ICU Park? I think you did. You can't help it. It's the COVID thing. ICU is on your mind. I get it. What's the matter with you? I know. It is MCU Park. But there's a famous picture from that day, which when they announced our team one by one, you know, Bernie McGurk, Sean Landetta, they announced me and then they announced Gabriel, my son. And there's a picture of me hugging Gabriel right by the pitcher's mound. And you can see him literally wrapped in my arms, the name Gabe on the back of his number 11 jersey. It's a great picture. So I put it up on Instagram this morning at Sid Rosenberg. And it's funny because right after I do that, unbeknownst to my wife, she sends me a text. She goes, listen, June 11th is his moving up ceremony. I talked about this with you yesterday. Not doing anything for the kid. Let's have a Zoom graduation party. She goes, keep it a secret. You know, you'll get your parents. We'll get some of his friends. Maybe you'll get Bernie, some famous people with some congratulations. I said, I love it. Let's do it. She goes, but let's keep it a surprise. All right. That was at uh, 730 this morning. So now it's what, 8.40? One hour later. 8.41 yeah. now. He just saw my text about the surprise. It's no longer a surprise. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. <laughs> uh, 
So that's the end uh, of that. It was a good idea. I figured you would, you know, you would do your thing. You know, the shout out, sure. the Gaby boy. You know, he loves you. Well, uh, well intentioned, Sydney. Well intentioned. It was well intentioned, but it ain't gonna happen. No. So anyway, uh, something is happening. You know, you, you're talking an awful lot, Bernie, about how. Uh, some of the good news is that even though phase one means relatively nothing, at least it's moving in the right direction. Baby steps. But Baby yes, steps. It is. It's better than doing nothing. Yeah, I'll give you that. Right. So to add to some of that is sports. And I think a lot of us feel like when sports gets back, there's going to be a real sense of normalcy. Like things are almost back to normal. Almost. Yes. yes. It, would, it would help. It would go, help go a long way to... Uh, you know, making us feel better. Right. So the of the four major sports in the country, hockey is the least uh, uh, popular, but not in New York. The Rangers do really, really well here. The Islanders do pretty well. We've got the Devils in New Jersey, three too. Three teams in three the tri-state teams. area. Come That's on. right. And the Rangers are a really, really loyal, long-time base playing right downstairs here at Madison Square Garden. So uh, Gary Bettman, the commissioner of the National Hockey League, he becomes the first commissioner for all four sports to really lay it out that the NHL is in fact coming back here he is the commissioner of the National Hockey League Gary Bettman talking about the return of hockey yesterday when the given go-ahead from the medical experts and the relevant government authorities is given 24 of our 31 teams will resume play the top 12 in each conference as ranked by percentage points from our standings as they stood through the games of March 11th when we paused our season as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. In early June, we expect to be able to enter phase two during which clubs can return to their individual practice facilities for voluntary small group on and off ice training. Yesterday, we released a comprehensive protocol that will govern how we will operate in phase two. We will resume play and conduct the 2020 Stanley Cup playoffs in two hub cities that will be identified and announced at a later date. One will be the site for the resuming Eastern Conference clubs. The other will play host to the resuming Western Conference. So there you have it. Some some good news there. Gary Bettman, Ranger fans, Islander fans. It looks like Stanley Cup playoff hockey is coming back soon. Now, baseball, other story. Told you yesterday was a big day. The owners were set to make another proposal to the players. Last week, it didn't go very well. Well, I guess the owners proposed a sliding scale. What that means is the guys that make the most money. The Bryce Harpers, for example, who just signed a $300-plus million contract to play in in, uh, Philadelphia two years ago. He would be the guy that would take the biggest loss, which makes sense. He makes the most money. Well, not to single out Bryce Harper, because you didn't talk about this yesterday, but the players' union hates it. So if this, in fact, is another you know, stop sign for the owners and the players, if they don't come to some type of agreement by Friday, you may lose the 2020 baseball season, and yesterday did not go well for baseball fans. Well, that excuse me, that is a shame. I thought you were going to play a clip here. That is no. a a uh, that would be. I mean, the selfishness of these uh, baseball players at this time. Yeah. I mean, it's you know, it's it's akin to the Great Depression. It's akin to World War II when everybody mobilized and sacrificed and did things they didn't otherwise want to do to help the nation as a whole, the greater good. And these guys, these prima donnas. Yeah. I mean. Led by the, I, I guess the, the, the who, who's the union head? What's his name? It is uh, Tony Clark. Actually, played for the Mets for a little while. First baseman, Detroit Tigers. Who's that? 
And the Yankees. Well, somebody, the Yankees somebody's, that's got, right. somebody's got to take him into a room and uh, beat shake, his ass? shake him up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, beat his ass, yeah. When, when hurt, I'm, I'm with I you mean, 100%. I mean, you know, come on. I'm sure a lot of uh, – he represents the, all the players, but I'm sure all the players don't agree with his position. Oh, I'm sure not. I would bet a lot of them would gladly go back. They don't want to, they don't want to you know, a buck whatever he's saying. Right, you can't do that. Or undermine him by right. uh, coming out publicly. That but I'm you, sure a lot of players say, listen, oh, what, sure. what are you doing, Clark? Of course. That union's like the mob, though. They are like, they are mafia. They don't, you can't beat those guys, so those guys shut up. You're right. A lot of those guys exist, but those guys shut up. Now, NBA, it looks like uh, Disney World in Orlando. No, no official announcement from Adam Silver, like we heard from Gary Bettman. But the NBA, uh, the rumors are that there'll be a playoff. Uh, actually, they're going to end the regular season. They may even play some regular season games. That's not been decided yet. But at least the playoffs from Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida, because at that complex... The wide world of sports, they have a lot of rooms that you can, you know, obviously the players can stay. They've got the, the arena. They've got all this stuff right there in the park in Orlando yeah. to actually facilitate an NBA playoff schedule. What about the money? Are they getting, uh, is there a money There's issue? There's no issue. No issue. doesn't so, seem to be an economic issue here because, because they've already played most, they've most already played of the 65 season, yeah. games. So they're going to get their full salary. So. I, I would imagine so, yes. So yeah, unlike well, baseball, there's no issue. So the last board, of course, is football. Now, if you've been watching the news all morning, Hard Rock Stadium down in North Miami Beach, Florida, where the Miami Dolphins play their home games, they have turned that right now into a drive-in theater, believe it or not. Really? Yeah. They've actually, and they're doing nice. the same thing with Yankee Stadium in the Bronx here. They're going to do it with Yankee Stadium. A drive-in theater? Yeah. Yes. Yankee Stadium in the Bronx and Hard Rock Stadium is already done, I think, in Miami. Right, Matt? That's already done? Yep. A drive-in movie theater. <laughs> well, I like is that it. unbelievable? Uh, yes, it is. Uh, but uh, it's original. It's good. It is original. It's, 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 but the question is, how long can they keep it as a drive-in movie theater, the Hard Rock Stadium in Miami, when you hear the owner of the Miami Dolphins, yes, the same guy that owns Equinox Gyms, owns Soul Cycle, the man that built Hudson Yards right here in Manhattan, my friend Stephen Ross, he owns the Miami Dolphins. So right now it's a drive-in movie theater, but how long is that going to last? Because Mr. Ross said yesterday on Squawk Box on CNBC, football is coming back. What, what is the plan as far as you can tell right now with the NFL? And what direction do you think it should take? I think there definitely will be a football season this year. The real question is, will there be fans in the stadiums? I think right now today we're planning on having fans in the stadiums. But I think the NFL is looking at it and it's very flexible so that we will be able to start on time and really, you know, bring that entertainment that's really so needed to all of us in this country. So, Stephen Ross, the owner of the Dolphins, really with no hesitation saying there's going to be football this year. There's going to be football this year. Said it more than once. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. But then... Get the cars out of the stadium. We're playing football. That's right. But then you listen to J.J. Watt, one of the great players in the National Football League, Houston Texans defensive lineman. He was asked yesterday about playing football this year. He didn't sound... And sound nearly as confident as Mr. Ross. Here's J.J. Watt. I am training like everything is going to happen as normal because uh, there's a famous quote, uh, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. So that's what I'm doing. I'm staying ready. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm just like everybody else. We're all kind of waiting and seeing, and the, the uncertainty is the worst part of it all. We don't know what's going to happen. Um, but I'm training like it's going to happen on time, and I'm looking forward to playing fans, no fans, whatever it is, just looking forward to competing and doing what we do. So he didn't sound as confident, Bernard, right? Listen, why the hell wouldn't there be a football season? 
What, well, what, what, what possible reason? The science well, and data doesn't back any of that up. This thing has passed unless we have, and they're trying to scare the hell out of you with a, a second wave. Unless we have that, listen, there is a thing called uh, viral attenuation. The virus gets weaker. That's what usually happens. There may be a second wave, but we're ready for it. Now we have the ventilators. We have the PPEs. We have uh, hospital capacity. We're ready for it. Let's not, uh, let's, what are we, what are we, oh, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. What the hell are we doing? <laughs> I mean, uh, it, it, it's time. We did it. Everything is good. The, the curve has been flattened. The, uh, the, the, the spread has been slowed. States are reopening. The, the, uh, infections are not going up. All that, everything is going well. Why wouldn't there be football? I'm with you. Giants, Steelers. <laughs> let's get baseball going right now. And let's get them all going. What the hell are we waiting for? What are these, all these people waiting for? Do it wisely, do it intelligently, but do it. You know what I'm saying, Bernie? I mean, come on. What are we talking about here? What is he worried about? What Who? Is, uh, J.J. Watt. Well, I don't know. You like J.J. Listen. No, he's a nice guy. Remember I, after I, the I, hurricane I, I, in Houston? Listen, I got nothing bad to say about him. Right. Nothing bad. I'm just saying, why is he so hesitant? What is he worried about? I mean, uh, you know. They, well, they, what, what he's worried about is, while Mr. Ross said yesterday from the Dolphins, we're going to play football. No one has told the players, not Roger Goodell, not the owners, exactly what they're going to do about the testing, wh- wh- where they're going to be, how it's going to work. So we I got, think he's just confused. Well, listen, we've got to reopen the schools. Again, it's backed up by science. Kids, they, they don't get hurt by this disease. They're, they, they don't transmit it at the rates that adults do if they transmit it at all. So we have, to, we have to reopen everything. Everything is fine now. Everything is good. And if there's a second wave, as the, as the president said, if it's an ember or if it's a fire, we'll deal with it and we'll put it out. But we can't have this, uh, this, uh, this perpetual lockdown because too many people are going to die from that. And that will, be a, that will be permanent damage on this country. So let's, let's get the mindset of reopen. Forget about fake news, fear-mongering and all that crap. Uh, let's do this. Yeah, we're going to play football. Get the stupid drive-in out of the uh, Yankee Stadium. Let's play baseball, too. Back here on the Bernie and Sid Show. Heard everywhere on the 77 WABC app. Last hour, gorgeous day. Really beautiful uh, May day. They come by. Listen, May's almost over, folks. It's a great month, and it's here, and it's a gorgeous day. Savor it. That's a great Even month. Even in the, in, in, in the midst of this, uh, all this horrific stuff. Will you look back at May 2020 and no, say that was no, a great no, month? No, no, no. But I'm just, you know, I, look, enjoy today is what I'm saying, all right? I agree with you. you, you, only, you, you, you know, I enjoyed you, yesterday. You go around one time. I enjoyed it. I went to the park. I was out there for a good three hours. It was beautiful sunlight. I was down by the water. I, I enjoyed it. So restoring America to greatness, that's what's going to happen. We're going to start today by uh, shooting off a rocket for the first time in 10 years and sending a couple of uh, our astronauts to the uh, space lab. Uh, Again, we've been hitching a ride with the Russians for 10 years. Now NASA and SpaceX, Elon Musk, who defied the, the governor in California, he says, I'm opening up my plant. I'm making cars or whatever I do in my plant. I'm doing it. And the governor said, okay. He said, or otherwise, I'm going to Texas. He said, okay, go ahead. Don't worry about it. Is this so, another example of, of us moving away from Russia? Right? Yeah. Of it, Donald Trump doing something it's a good point, without Sid. the Russians? How dare you? That's exactly right. Yeah. 
Yeah, that, 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 that's another good point. And the president will be there with the vice president. You know, none other than Politico put out this piece. Politico, very left-wing uh, online political site. Told you, my buddy uh, Mark Caputo was on my show down in Miami with me every week. He's from down there. He actually defended President Trump on Politico last week. But you're right. Ordinarily, they're a very left-leaning uh, publication. Well, here's what... Uh The title of this article is The General Election Scenario That Democrats Are Dreading. Now, they they go on in the article. This is the the, the scenario, remember, that the Democrats are dreading. They they quote this uh, former Obama administration economist. His name is Jason Furman. He spoke to a a gathering, a a virtual gathering of political officials from Republicans, Democrats, etc. And uh, what he said when he came on, the first thing he said was this. We are about to see the best economic data we've seen in the history of this country. And people were shocked. Instead of, as, as they write here in Politico, instead of forecasting a prolonged depression-level economic catastrophe, Furman laid out a detailed case for why the months preceding the November election could offer Trump the chance to brag truthfully about the most explosive monthly employment numbers and gross domestic product growth ever. So, again, he goes on to explain that this is not like the Great Depression or the recession. It's more like a natural disaster. You have a quick and steep decline, which was voluntary in economic activity. But you also have a quick and steep rebound. Remember the V-shaped economy? This is Obama's former economic advisor. And they they spoke to one Obama White House official off the record. And he says, this is my big worry. Asked about the level of concern among top party officials, he said it's high, 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 high. Talking about uh, Willie Nelson, I guess. I don't know. uh, (laughs) He said it was very high. So that's what you have. Uh, The the market was up yesterday 500 points. It's up to back up to 25,000. We're starting to reopen oh so slowly and oh so grudgingly in these blue states. But uh, also, this, uh, a lot of this doesn't get covered. This uh, Stanford University uh, biophysicist, his name is Michael Levin. He won a Nobel Prize in 2013 for chemistry. He said that uh, the lockdown was a bad idea. This is a quote. Quote, I think lockdown saved no lives. I think it may have cost lives. There is no doubt that you can stop an epidemic with lockdown, but it's a very blunt and very medieval weapon. And the epidemic could have been stopped just as effectively with other sensible measures such as masks and other form, forms of social distancing. Now, this is what I'm saying. Reopen right. now. Right. Why, Andrew Cuomo, are you dragging your damn feet? If you're in the, the, the SUV on your way to go meet Trump right now, open the damn state and not just first phase baby step crap. <laughs> right. Open it up. It's time. People are smart enough to make their own decisions. And Dr. Anthony Fauci, the media darling, I played this yesterday, but not enough. He was on CNBC. Listen to what he said. And now that he said this, you don't see Dr. Fauci. Listen to what he said. We can't stay locked down for such a considerable period of time that you might do irreparable damage and have unintended consequences, including consequences for health. And the same thing with schools. Same th- uh, so, of course, he's the, the, the consequences of the lockdown are going to outweigh. The cure is worse than the disease. Break it right down to that. We've been saying that for a couple of months, that, that it's possible that that will be the case. And now we know that that will be the case, especially if they keep going the way they're going. And schools as well. The same thing with schools. you got to reopen the damn schools. you got to listen to the science and the data. Kids are not a problem. They, 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 don't, they don't die. 
I mean, uh, yesterday the CDC also way, way lowered the number of uh, what the fatality rate is to, I mean, just it's, it's slightly above what the flu is, slightly above what the flu is. They re- revised that. And again, schools, you have this guy, Dr. Scott Atlas. Dr. Scott Atlas, he's uh, from Stanford University, also with the Hoover administration. He said this on the lockdown in general and schools. Somehow this has inexplicably not been reported by the media. The CDC came out with numbers, and uh, these numbers agreed with everything from France, the Netherlands, Spain, and all over the world, that the fatality rate is is actually extremely low uh, compared to what it was uh, originally said. And in fact, for those under 60, it's less than or equal to seasonal flu. Hmm. And in addition... This kind of CDC information that has escaped everyone's attention is that for children, there is essentially zero risk of either death or a significant illness. So why the hell are we dragging our feet? I mean, we have all the science and the data we need. And yet all you see on CNN and ABC, you see the, uh, you know, the Minneapolis police incident, which was bad. But you don't see the fact that you don't see any of this good news. You don't hear any of this good news. You don't hear anything from the mainstream media on this good news. The fact that we should be reopening because they don't want it. Just what I said. The anxiety is high, high, high that America will be restored to greatness a little bit, just a little bit too soon. And then, of course, if it does get restored to greatness and Biden gets elected, they're going to ruin it. They're going to squander the whole damn thing. Uh, now, look, uh, you have Florida, Georgia, and Texas, a couple of success, few success stories right there. North Carolina, again, run by a Democrat, dragging their feet. Oh, Roy Cooper. So the president. Trump hates him. <laughs> yeah, which, of course, is where they're going to have the convention. Well, no, maybe not. Well, exactly my point. The <laughs> Governor Kemp has sent a letter to Trump begging him, bring the convention to Atlanta. He should. And so has Rick DeSantis. Oh, to Florida. To, Ron to, DeSantis. Ron DeSantis. I right. keep calling him Rick. There's no, no. got to be a Rick DeSantis well, you, you, out there somewhere. If, if I'm Donald Trump and Cooper is a Democrat in North Carolina who doesn't want to play with Trump in, in his sandbox with his rules, and Kemp in Georgia and DeSantis in Florida, he had both of those guys basically elected. He helped DeSantis beat uh, Gilliam. And he certainly helped Kemp in Georgia. Well, wait a second. Obama endorsed Gillum. What happened there? Yeah, exactly. Oh, and he endorsed uh, Stacey Abrams, too, right? Lost, too. Oh, gosh. Right. gosh. So both of his guys won. He, he really should pick it up and go. North Carolina's well, not going to comply anyway. He should do Florida because it's a swing state. Georgia, yes. he's going to win Georgia. Yes. So he'll probably pick Florida. Here's Governor DeSantis on the whole thing. Florida would love to have the RNC. Heck. I'm a Republican. It would be good for us to have the DNC in terms, of the, uh, in terms of the economic impact when you talk about major events like that. There you go. So that's what's going to happen. North Carolina is going to lose out on a good. lot of money, a lot of revenue. That's what these Democratic tyrants, they don't care. They don't care how it hurts their own people. Remember the NBA All-Star game a couple They're of years selfish ago? selfish bastards. Governor Cuomo is a selfish, grandstanding POS. But the guy in North Carolina with the uh, transvestite bathrooms at the NBA All-Star game a couple of years ago, they lost that too? Don't you remember yeah, that? Yeah, right, exactly. Same That's, guy. It's the same guy? North Carolina. Yeah, unbelievable, right. This guy's no good. He Garbage, garbage. Virtue signaling and, uh, no, you, President Trump is, oh, if, if that's the same guy <laughs> that did that. Same state for oh, sure. Oh, you've got to get the hell out of gotta North get Carolina. Out. And I'll tell you this, even though Trump has Mar-a-Lago, which is gorgeous in Palm Beach, I'm going to extend a branch out to Trump. You can stay in my house in Boca. 
when they have the RNC convention down in Miami. How about that? <laughs> it's going to happen. It's going to be Miami this August yeah. on the Bernie and Sid Show. 1-800-848-9222. We'll be right back. Don't worry, baby. It's all going to be all right. Trump's going to go to Miami, have the RNC. Now, I was right about the NBA All-Star game being in North Carolina. They did. Uh, they moved it because the, uh, the liberal elite, the ball players, all these uh, liberal politicians wanted to have a bathroom for the freaks, you know, the transgenders. I don't mind gay people. God bless them. I'm, I'm pro-gay, by the way. I'm, I'm very, very liberal when it comes to social stuff. But transgenders, I don't get. I'll never they, get they wanted to allow, or they wanted a separate bathroom, or they wanted to allow the transgenders to go into maybe that was it. So, like a guy can walk into my daughter's bathroom in other words, if he's wearing a wig. A biological male with yes. uh, with male genitalia could put on a dress, right, and go into a woman's bathroom where your daughter might be, right. And this is what the governor he he was angry that uh, that 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 was the law. That was the law. So McCrory was the governor at the time. This guy Cooper, who's now the governor of North Carolina, he was the state attorney general. So he wasn't the governor. He was a state attorney general. He was all for it, by the way. He was for, okay, he was, so he was yeah. for that, yeah. Uh, yeah. for guys walking into women's bathrooms yeah, of course. With, with wearing a dress. Now, listen, some people grow up and they're, they think they're a woman, whatever. They identify uh-huh. as a woman. Get out of here. But they, regardless of that, regardless, the, 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 the potential for abuse, if one girl gets abused because of that policy. Then it's no good. Then it's absolutely no good. And the potential was there for that in spades. In spades. You protect our little girls. You know what I'm saying? Are you mutts? Thank you very much. So Roy Cooper, uh, he's now on the list of the Gretchen Whitmers, Andrew Cuomo's, Phil Murphy's. Blue State, uh, the socialist tyrant. Do I have Ned Lamont on that list? Ned Lamont is on that list. He's on the list. He's on that list. He's not. When you start to to rank him, though, in terms of the most dangerous for America, he's not at the top. uh, He was a little more accommodating when it comes to reopening. But then again, again, uh, uh, Connecticut didn't suffer as much as New York and New Jersey. But as Cuomo, if if I start to rank. Cuomo is number one. Number one. Who is number two? Who is number two would have to be. uh, Gavin Newsom? Governor Northam, Blackface Northam. Oh, down in Virginia. In, 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 in Virginia, right. Nice. He, he would be number two. Three, Gretchen Whitmer of Michigan. Yep. She's, she's got maybe a tie with uh, uh, Blackface Northam. Now what about Phil Murphy in New Jersey? He's right there, too. He's, right there. He, he'd be number four. And what I about mean, Newsom? You like Newsom, though. Newsom is, uh, is number five. He's a little more soft-spoken. and uh, I mean, he, he, you get the feeling that, uh, unlike Governor Cuomo, he really believes this uh, gibberish nonsense. Yeah. I mean, like, he wants to give the, the state. They wonder why the, the, the Republicans don't want to bail out the blue states. He's giving money to illegal immigrants. Illegal immigrants, flat yeah. out. He's giving them all kinds of money. The same thing with Cuomo. But you get the feeling that he actually believes in what he does. Okay. Whereas Governor Cuomo is just pandering. No doubt. Now and, the, and I think that's probably worse. Governor of Illinois... Yeah, he's another. He, this guy just uh, he's, he's just a loser. <laughs> he's just stupid. He's uh, he's a slob, and oh, he's a, he's, he really doesn't even. He, he, just to look at him is like, how the hell did he get elected to the governor of? I mean, I wouldn't of elect, anything. Of any, yeah, right, right. You wouldn't want him to uh, you know drive you in an Uber. Agreed. Now on the flip side, when we go over the list of Bernie McGurk MVPs, those were the worst ones. <laughs> Who's the MVP governor? Is it DeSantis? It's got to be uh, between DeSantis and, uh, of course, Kemp. Kemp opened first. And maybe, uh, maybe Abbott. Oh, Abbott. Of Texas, yeah. yes. Yeah, oh, yeah. 
the guy in the wheelchair. He, yes. Well, these, these are great, I love great men, guy. great governors. Love that guy. Who are, are you know, the states are prospering. They, they run uh, surpluses. They do great jobs. And Kemp had the, the, the onions, the stones, yeah. to defy uh, all what was called, quote-unquote, conventional wisdom and reopen. Because he knew, apparently, that the cure would be worse than the disease. No, he was right. And he was a thousand percent correct. The guy in Texas, Abbott, in the wheelchair, I didn't, I didn't really get to know him. I don't know him personally, but I mean in terms of uh, airtime. The shootings in El Paso, Texas, when that moron was um, yelling and screaming. What, what was the guy he ran for president? Looks like Ichabod oh, Crane. Te- uh, that, that, uh, got an Irish name, I think. The, the uh, guy kept falling off the skateboard. <laughs> yeah, what the hell's his yeah. name? Come he, on. He lost to, um, to Ted Cruz, but it was close. Very, oh, very Beto, close. Beto. Beto. Beto O'Rourke, oh, that's right. That's his real name, yeah. Yeah, he, he was, uh, he, Abbott would uh, take him to task from his wheelchair back then. After those shootings, I like that about that guy. Yeah, good, yeah. Yeah, yeah the, the, the uh, weed-smoking uh, little weasel. <laughs> Remember him? Yeah, he was going to be the next. Uh, he was going to be what? He was going to take out Joe Biden. Sure. You know, I, I, I often think back to 2015, 16, and the 17 people that Trump beat. Yeah. And every once in a while, I'll, I'll say, hey, Bernie, let's see how good your memory is. We worked together at the time. We started together at the time. Can you name all 17? And usually you get 14 or 15. Maybe we forget. Um, I don't know. Who's the lady for Hewlett Packard? Uh, uh, that Macaulay uh, Fiorina. <laughs> yes, there we go. <laughs> oh, we forget uh, the, 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 the guy from Texas who ran the energy uh, thing for Trump for a little while there. Uh, Rick, Rick Perry. Perry. Very good. Even uh, there was one guy who was the secretary of the Army. Oh, remember that guy? From yeah. Virginia, I think. That's right. Right? I forget his name. I forgot his name, too. But he was one. He was one of those and guys. And Governor Christie and uh, the well, rest. Yeah, take those all, you know. All those and uh, Pataki. Yes. And uh, Marco Rubio. Chris Christie. Christie was always at the end. Yep. Rand Paul. All of them, yes. Ted Cruz. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, good, Jeb Bush. The good old days. Yeah. So now if I ask you to go back and start to recall some of these Democrats, like Beto O'Rourke that ran early on. Who's the putz? Cory Booker? Oh, my God. You think you can name all the Democrats? It would, the worst, uh, could I name them all? Yeah. Uh, no. I tell you, the one I, that In you, fact, I can't even remember the lady's name. Well, you liked her. I know. What I the thought she was crazy. What was her name again? What uh, is that lady's oh, name? The, the actor, Marianne uh, Williamson. Marianne Williamson. Williamson. Very yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I did like her. She was much better. She was the best of a, a horrific bunch. Oh, she was weird, man. She yeah, was I know really that. I believe weird. Me. I, I don't want her anywhere near no. the uh, the power, the, the top. Uh, you know, the the buttons of government. No, I don't want her nowhere spoke. anywhere near it. They never went to her. That poor lady. She would sit there like a putz, and then you know they they would talk to uh, you know the Lindsay's Warren. She was big back then, and Bernie Sanders, and I hate all of them. Oh. Hate. Every single one of them. The one is worse than the other. But uh, Beto and Corey, You're the two least probably favorite? The, two, two, the two worst. Well, what about Bloomberg? Remember, he came in and... Oh, uh, what a schmuck. He, he really lit the world on fire. What a little loser. <laughs> what about Eric Sw- Swalwell was oh, in there, right? Oh, he was that, in he, there. He was the first one to drop out. Eric was he the first Stolen. one? Yeah, he was. You sure about that? I'm positive. I, there was I, a guy from uh, looking... Uh, you like this guy from Colorado. Bernie loved that guy. Hickenlooper. Oh, that's Hickenlooper. watching porn <laughs> That's the guy mom. who watched porn with, the, with his with mother. He took his mother to a porno movie. Do you guys remember? You're trying to talk about memory. Deval Patrick? Oh, very good. Out of Massachusetts. He didn't even make it to a debate. Well, you know what's funny about him? He entered the same day as Bloomberg. Now, that's, listen, this is, the kind of, uh, <laughs> this is the kind of racist party the Democrats are. I mean, they, True. who ends up on top? Some creepy old uh, white guy with a history of racism. Oh, yeah. And who, who just put it on display the other day. Right. But the other day, Kamala Harris... Took him to task in that first debate and humiliated him. Yeah. And he's out there telling people, if you don't vote for me, you're not black? 
No, exactly right. I don't get it. Oh, yeah, the other guy, too, talking about uh, uh, people from different, uh, diverse group of people, the real lowlife, him and his brother, the other Castro's. Oh, the, oh, oh, they, they, oh, oh just God. a couple That of first s- debate, he was, on, he was on fire. Immigration spoke Spanish. They loved him. Loved him. Of, 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 he's a vicious scumbag is what he was. Vicious and a racist. And his brother was even and, and worse. And a racist. His brother actually mentioned all the companies that, that advertise with... Yes. With Trump and all right. that. And, and try to shame people. Yes. I mean, try to squelch our First Amendment rights. These people, uh, uh, they're, they're fascists is what they Gave are. They their addresses and stuff. You know, for me. He, he doxed them, as yes. the, to use the uh, yeah. conventional phrase. Yeah. For me, it's like sports. Like, I can sit down and tell you the 1955 Brooklyn Dodgers or the 1979 New York Mets. And we start talking about, you know, the Republicans in 2016 or the Democrats in 2019. It's like sports. You remember all the names? Yeah. <laughs> who times. hit 300? Who hit 150? And the Democrats, they all hit 150. By the way, speaking of Biden, uh, we have for him uh, sort of explaining his racist mark coming up in the uh, next segment. Oh, we do? Explaining it, yes. And also oh. the feud between him and the president on masks, among many other things, Sid. That sounds cool. This is so you may remember last week, but very quickly here, my, my dear friend Scotty Doran at Shrewsbury Bicycles down at the Jersey Shore made mention that his son Robbie, he's a great kid, Robbie, Robbie Doran, he did this bike ride from Siesta Key, Florida to New York, and he raised a bunch of money for all the baristas uh, and these coffee shops in uh, Jersey City. All these uh, small businesses needed the money, and he did it. He made the trip. Even guys like Justin Pugh, the former New York Giant, donated $1,000. He did a great job, and I want to let folks know that on app.com this morning, app.com, there's a great story, and it details the whole trip from Siesta Key, Florida, to New York City. Robbie Doran, his father from Shrewsbury Bicycles, did it, raised a ton of money for a great cause. Congratulations, Robbie. Very good, Robbie. Back here on the Bernie and Sid Show. We heard everywhere in the 77 WABC app, ladies and gentlemen. It made a lot of news. <clears throat> the uh, Biden came out of hiding, and uh, well, he went to uh, well, he went to this uh, memorial service for veterans the other day. We're going to get to that in a second. But he also did an interview, as you may have heard by now, with this guy named uh, Larry McKelvey. Larry is uh, an accused rapist. He pled guilty to uh, contributing to the delinquency of a minor. He got a. Uh, she alleges she got him liquored up. She, never, she didn't know him before this. Uh, he, he rented a, uh, a short-stay uh, motel room down in South Carolina in the early 2000s, got her liquored up, and she alleges that uh, he raped her. Anyway, he pled, as I said, to, uh, to contributing to the delinquency of a minor. He was 22 years old. He got three years probation, did Larry McKelvey. They call him some ridiculous name on the radio. Anyway, he was interviewing Joe Biden, another accused rapist. Now, I wonder why that never came up during the interview, but it didn't. However, just to remind you how awkward this uh, interview was, it started out with uh, Larry McKelvey saying to Joe Biden, uh, listen, you sound like you lost a little bit off your fastball or something like that. So it was a little contentious to begin with. But then towards the end, uh, the aide really wanted to end it. It sounded like this. Black people saved your political life in the primaries this year. They have things they want from you, and one of them is a black woman running mate. What, what do you say to them? What I say to them is that I'm not acknowledging anybody who is being considered, but I guarantee you there are multiple black women being considered. Multiple. Well, you know, Thank get you so the- much. That's really our time. I apologize. You can't do that to the black media. You I can't do that to white media and black media because my wife has to go on at 6 o'clock. Okay. Oh, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. <laughs> oh, my God. 
Jesus, Joe. Ay, ay, ay. I, this, this guy, is, he's, he's leading in some polls, which the polls are rigged, by the way. Bill O'Reilly will tell you every day they don't sample enough Republicans. It's just, they're just rigged. Anyway, then Biden made the infamous, uh, if you vote for, if you don't vote for me, you're not black. Take a listen. Well, you know, Thank so much. That's really our time. I apologize. You can't do that to black media. You I can't do that to white media and black media because my wife has to go on. If you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black, the NAACP's endorsed me every time I've run. The war, I mean, come on, take a look at the record. Now, that's a lie. The what N- record? The NAACP came out and said, we, nev- we don't endorse candidates. We never endorse Joe Biden for anything. That was one in a string of lies well, that he's told. What about the record he's talking about? Like, Sandy Koufax can say, take a look at the record, when he went, like, 27 and 3. In fact, that's, <laughs> that's why he's in trouble, because his record is, that is at odds with what uh, the black community, the liberal black community, says it wants. It's completely and totally at odds, his history. And that's why uh, they want him to answer some questions. Which is what Kamala Harris took him to task for right there. The very first debate, she humiliated him. Well, yeah, the whole that, busing issue. Especially, the, but, but the, even she was wrong on that, too. I mean, because nobody was, blacks did not want busing uh, either. What do you mean? She was that little three-year-old little girl yeah, standing outside. She, she, Remember she got, that story? That long-winded. Yeah. <laughs> that's what, what was one of her problems. She got it all wrong. She didn't, the narrative wasn't right there. But you've heard uh, Biden in the past lie about his academic credentials, about being a professor, about a, a million things. I, I just think that, that, that don't even come to mind right now. But he tried to explain the, uh, the, the, the remark with uh, Larry McKelvey. Listen to this. He was being a wise guy, and I responded kind. I shouldn't have done that. Look, the state you're sitting in here is over, you know, it's the eighth largest black population in America. It's a percent of, of vote, of, of, of population. And I've got overwhelming support every time I run, but I've worked like hell because I work in the east side. I work in all the things I care about, making sure their houses are as valuable as the same white person's house in a white neighborhood. Their houses. Yeah, their houses. Yeah. Uh, look, he, he lives in a, he's been living in a gated mansion for 50 years. I don't know what he's talking about when he says where I come from. He works on the east side, bro. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's got many. He's, and he's, he's the one who's he said racist things. He said about Obama, he's articulate. He says he's the first black politician that's come down to Pike that I've seen that's clean and articulate. He actually said that about Obama back in, uh, after he dropped out of the race in 08. He said that about Obama. Now, that, it doesn't get any more racist than that. Uh, but that's Joe Biden for you. Now, also, I, I mentioned the fact that he came out with uh, wearing a mask. He came out of hiding. First of all, Governor Cuomo said this about wearing masks. Wearing a mask is now cool. I believe it's cool. If I could sign an executive order that says wearing a mask is officially cool. Well, then why don't you wear one? How can right. I never see him wearing a mask if he thinks it's, it's officially cool? I saw him wear a mask twice. A mask. Twice. One time he wore it at his briefing in, uh, in New York. One time. And then he did wear the mask yesterday when he rang the opening bell at the stock market. Oh, Otherwise, I never see that guy in a mask, ever. It is the same thing uh, with all of these uh, totalitarian, fascist, fascistic-leaning Socialist politicians do as I say, not as I do. And that is also, that includes uh, Gretchen Whitmer. The husband wanted the boat out. I'm sure she knew he wanted the boat out. She was telling people, don't use your motorboat, don't use your uh, jet ski. And then yesterday she tried to say it was a joke. But either way, uh, he came out, did uh, Biden from hiding over the Memorial Day weekend, wearing a goofy, goofy looking mask. And uh, the president commented on that. Take a listen to him. Now, Biden can wear a mask, but he was standing 
uh, outside with his wife, perfect conditions, perfect weather. They're inside, they don't wear masks. And so I thought it was very unusual that he had one on. But I thought that was fine. I wasn't criticizing him at all. Why would I ever do a thing like that? No, exactly. Why would he ever do a thing like that? So Brit Hume, now he's a guy, he calls balls and strikes. The way I see it, he calls balls and strikes. He, uh, he's not a big Trump lover. If Trump does stupid things, he, calls the, he says it's stupid, which is why I'm going to play his, his comment. Now, he, tweeted that, he tweeted a picture of Biden wearing the mask, and he said, this might help explain why Trump doesn't like to wear a mask in public. And he showed the picture of Biden with the goofy ears out, the mask. He just looked totally ridiculous. So he got a lot of heat for that. And he explained himself last night on TV. Did Brit Hume listen to him? Well, Biden, like anybody else wearing a mask, looked ridiculous. And the mask that he had on with his black sunglasses, it seems to me, made him look especially ridiculous. And added to that is this. He's outside at a war memorial. He is with his wife, with whom he's been quarantined for, what, 10 weeks, something like that, nine weeks? He's not a COVID carrier. So the idea that you're wearing a mask to protect someone else doesn't seem to apply here, especially the fact that it's outdoors where there's very little empirical data indicating that the virus spreads very easily outdoors. In addition to that, if you look at all the other video of the event, he's at well out of six foot range from nearly everybody he comes in contact with. And you really don't get it by simply passing somebody. I mean, that's not or somebody opens the door for you. But I don't think it makes much of an example to wear a mask where in a situation where nearly all the data we have indicated that it's not necessary. And on top of that, it looks absurd. And of course, you know, as vain as Donald Trump is, I mean, think, think of what he goes through every day to prepare himself to be seen. You know, he goes through this whole ritual with his hair where he sprays it into submission and he's got it all combed up in a certain way so that it covers his forehead. But this is the way he wants to look and he cares a lot about it and doesn't like to look any other way. And I think, you know, he put on that mask out at that plant, what, out in Michigan or whenever it was the other day, and I don't think he liked the way it looked on him. And I think when he looks at that picture of Joe Biden, he thinks Biden looks ridiculous, and he kind of does, and he doesn't want to look that way. So bottom line, uh, uh, Cuomo, Biden, and the blue state governors and these uh, mask freaks, they're not listening to the science. Nope. And they're, they're lying. They're, they're not listening to the data. And they're lying. And they're lying. When you're outside, the mask doesn't, it's, it's not effective. It's not necessary. It. Nope. Inside, nope. I can. It's, it's plausible. Plausible. We yes. will. We will wear a mask inside, of course. But outside, stop with the Nazi stuff. Well, Excuse me, the fascist stuff. You remember when De Blasio last week stood outside? I mean, he was out broken on New York City with five of his uh, people, and he actually said on television, "Wear the mask. It quote saves lives." We played that quote last week. I don't but know. It's just where not true. Was, yeah, but yeah. It's just not true. It's fake news. It's fake news. Just like uh, uh, Neil Cavuto saying that if you take hydroxychloroquine, you will die. So fake news is everywhere. It's even on Fox News. Chris Wallace, uh, Neil Cavuto, and a couple more. Ron Williams. He's not walking the park well, either. He, he's an opinion guy. But these other people, wow. they, they claim to be straight news guys. Oh, okay. And that's why they're right. fake news guys. Listen, uh, we also have uh, the president talking about Joe Scarborough and Imus. And we actually have Imus and Joe Scarborough together back in the day. Hot town, summer in the city, back of my neck getting dirt and gritty. Bend down, isn't it a pity? Doesn't seem to be a shadow in the city. All around, people looking half dead, walking on the sidewalk hotter than a match. We are black here on the Bernie and Sid Show. Heard everyone in the 77 WABC app. You know, the front page of the New York Post, they actually have, this is incredible. You know, big tech, we know they were biased. We knew that already. 
They are biased. Uh, YouTube, uh, Google, of course, I mean, and uh, Twitter, all of them. They're all biased. Now, Twitter has uh, put a, a labeled one of President Trump's tweet. What, what, what they want to do, uh, the Democrats right now, during this pandemic, they're trying to sneak in uh, uh, this, these mail-in ballots. That's what they want to do. They want to have elections via mail, and which is just completely and totally fraught with uh, peril. I mean, all kinds of fraud. You have this what they call ballot harvesting, which they send political operatives to people's homes and solicit votes. I send people to nursing homes. I mean, it's just in other words, if you're a Democrat and somebody votes on your the ballot that you go to solicit with them for and they vote the way you don't want them to vote, you just throw it out or whatever, or you you forge it or something. I mean, it's just a million ways. Google it. Google uh, 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 Google mail-in ballots and for, and fraud and see what you get. You can come up with a lot of examples. It's out there. So the president tweeted about it, and he says that he's not going to allow it. It's fraudulent, blah, blah, blah. But Twitter, for the first time, they said uh, about his tweet, they said this: uh, the information on this tweet has been unsubstantiated. Ah. And they cited, believe it or not, they cited CNN and the Washington Post. Reminiscent as of, sources to, to, to say that it's unsubstantiated. Uh, those two being the, the, the worst, then and the Times, of course. But reminiscent of what Facebook did to me last week with that Jennifer Aniston T-shirt when they said, this doesn't exist. As if they knew whether or not Jennifer Aniston actually had a T-shirt that had a pair of hands grabbing exactly. up breasts with the name Joe Biden. And meanwhile, it. that was just satire. Right. I mean, this is what happens in these uh, totalitarian, socialistic, authoritarian governments. And that's what we're becoming. That's what they're, they're trying to make us into right here right now they're trying to use this pandemic to do that and uh, so big tech is as dishonest as the as the media the, the fake news media that's it's fake news big tech i mean they're, they're in, in lockstep with them and of course you know all the uh, the cultural uh who's that chris libertini yeah first time i've seen him he must be unfurloughed i mean everybody so i i can't get sidetracked because we're almost yeah. running out of time yeah so anyway, they're fake, they're phony, and now also the president was tweeting about Joe Scarborough. And Joe Scarborough did have a dead intern in his office. A what? He had an, an intern died in his office. Dead intern? They claim she had a heart attack. She's in her 20s. She was dead in his office. She, uh, she fell. They claim she fell, <laughs> and on. she had a big gash in, her, in the back of her head. Come on. And, and, and a heart attack in her 20s. This so, is all true. This is true. All right. Uh, this is all true. Uh, as a matter of fact, the president has been tweeting about it, but they didn't say uh, Mika Brzezinski has been calling for Twitter to say that this stuff is unsubstantiated, but they wouldn't do that, <laughs> interestingly enough. Now, the president spoke about it yesterday. Somebody asked him during a briefing. Take a listen to what he said. I also saw a uh, clip with, uh, with Joe and Imus uh, where they were having a lot of fun at her expense and I thought it was totally inappropriate. No, it's a very suspicious thing, and uh, I hope somebody gets to the bottom of it. You're suggesting that Joe Scarborough was responsible? Yeah, a lot of people suggest that. <laughs> That's funny. He called that Imus there. He said, quote, <laughs> they were being uh, inappropriate, inappropriate yes. having fun at that girl's expense. So we called out Scarborough and Imus, President his, his Trump. His old friend, his old good friend, Mr. Imus, who, by the way, is mentioned in Trump's book, The Art of the Deal. Yes. He's mentioned several times, as a matter of fact. Yes. But during the campaign, uh, a couple of the interviews went 
sideways. Very, very sideways. It went sideways. And then he would call him blubber titty guy. Yeah, yeah, I vote for the guy because he's still the best guy out there. But I have a blubber yeah. titty I mean, guy. I mean, no, look, he was he was almost fall, falling into the Howard Stern trap. Where almost. Yeah. He was. Uh, well, cave, he did actually. He was cave, he caved. He caved to uh, you know. But the only difference his is friends. Howard the, completely caves. The, the Mike Lupicas of the world. Right, but Howard completely caves. Amos, to his credit, would say, "I'd only vote for him." I, I only well, vote for yeah, him. he wanted to be on both on the sides. Right. Yeah, he you know that well. Right. To his credit, I guess. I mean, you don't want to alienate half your audience. But when you're on both sides, are you really on anybody's side? That's true. If you try to please everybody, you please nobody. You can make an argument both ways, right? I think you have to be all in. That's my opinion. And I am all in. All in for Trump, one of the greatest presidents ever. <laughs> so anyway, here is the aforementioned uh, the Joe Scarborough, by the way, he used to call me and he used to beg me to get him on the Imus show on uh, MSNBC. We were on MSNBC, the Imus in the Morning show, for almost 20, well, I'd eh, say about 15 years, something like that. Maybe less, maybe 12 years. So so whatever. Joe Scarborough used to beg me to get on Imus's show. Beg me. Come on, Bernie, you got to get me on somehow or other. What's wrong? What did I say? Why is Imus mad at me? Oh, he was like a little girl. He was whining. <laughs> What's the matter with you? I felt like saying to him. Anyway, this is him groveling to Imus. Back in the early 2000s. <laughs> well, well, tell me what I need to do. Well, no, you're doing great. I mean, don't be afraid to be funny. Okay. Because you are funny. Uh, that was a... You know, I asked you why you weren't in Congress. You said you'd had sex with the intern and you had to kill her. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty risky to say. What are you going to do? So he acknowledged uh, what I said. He said, exactly. And what are you going to do? And what are you going to do? Uh, which maybe is why Twitter did not say that the tweet was unsubstantiated. He didn't deny it. Because uh, Joe Scarborough actually said, exactly. And what do you, you want to do? In huh? other words, you're right, Mr. Imus. Yeah. I did say that. Yeah, you and apparently he had said that in jest. He would have been like, oh, no, no, stop. I didn't. No, no, no. I would never do that. Stop, stop, right. stop. But are you trying to be funny? And, and by the way, you can see why guys like you and I got into trouble. Here's Scarborough practically admitting he murdered somebody. <laughs> in an just effort to, to please the just, Imus. Just please. <laughs> Oh, folks. Hey, listen, enjoy this uh, beautiful hump day, this beautiful, gorgeous, sunny Wednesday. Uh, Sydney, I know you're going to be out there to, to try to be, be, become blacker than I am. Kanye West. I am. I, uh, I'm going to be out there for a good three hours today. We'll be back again tomorrow morning. It's uh, Bill O'Reilly Day coming up tomorrow. So from all of us on the Burning and Sid on the Morning Show to all of you in New York City, enjoy your sunny hump day Wednesday. Until tomorrow at 6. Peace! <laughs> And sit in the morning, streaming live on the 77 WABC app. Weekday morning, 6 to 10. Talk Radio 77 WABC.